You got fucking seven over here because Jason Street just got paralyzed. We're going to get the song going. Yeah, man. Okay, let's start the show with this catchy tune. Friday Night Lights on. It's a hot ass day today. Very, that it is. Very fitting that we have a show with Texas on today. It was, yeah, it, it is. It is uh, very warm right now. Very, it, very. Warm. It is furnace like in it's, Los Angeles. It's oppressively hot. She went on the fire escape for like Ugh. thirty seconds. And yeah, she was yeah. just like, "This is fucking terrible." Yeah, my AC gave out on my car. Oh. I got it recharged two months ago. Oh, you that's know? the worst. I know. I mean, I, shit know. like that that almost makes you want to think like there might be a god. <laughs> like that's too coincidental. Welcome no, in yeah. everybody. Yeah. Uh, I am Keith Pazel. This is my podcast with Adam Crocious. Hello, everyone. Subscribe. We're everywhere. We're on Apple, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Yep. Stitcher everywhere. I put it on one thing and it puts it. It's, it's everywhere. I tell you what, man, we got a wide presence. We cast a wide net. Cast a wide net. <laughs> I just got to get better at promoting the goddamn thing. Well, I mean, maybe maybe I should help out, too. I'm, I'm too. It's, I, it sounds easier than it is. Like at the beginning of the week, you make out this plan of like, I'm going to post here, here and there. And yeah. then you'd think you wouldn't be too tired to post on Facebook or something, <laughs> but you get tired. And then so you'll th- you get to fall into the habit of like, oh, I'll do it in like an hour. And then an hour, oh. was, and you just keep saying that. Keep procrastinating. And then out yeah. here, it's tricky because you have to do it three hours before you think you should because yeah. it's not, if it's noon here, it's almost fucking 6 p.m. <laughs> in fucking New York. Yeah, well, it's three, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So you have to, like, if I really wanted to do it good, I should set an alarm at like six in the just morning. Just up at six to do it Wake up. Yep. Do the first one because that's nine in the morning. In normal time, so set up a set up a routine like. Well, that. you could do. There's these websites too where you could just fucking you schedule all of them and it does. But it's so much goddamn work and the good shit you got to like pay for. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, man, I uh, I have been uh, very busy, Keith. Very busy with my. I have a deadline coming up for an application that's uh, been uh, uh, challenging as usual because our organization is uh, dysfunctional and that makes it more difficult. So I. Uh, I, I worked today for three and a half hours on a Saturday. I worked it last was, weekend. Well, for you're seven lucky hours, you were inside you know? the house at least. Yeah, yeah. I had the AC going. I was productive. You know, I'm in a, I mean, I'm in a, the good thing about it, about this difficulty of my job, is it's made me focus on my script well. So all I do is work. And then I have my side hustle of uh, delivering <laughs> marijuana. I was thinking about deli- that recently. To, if, to you, Pelican. if you would have went like the go back in time and tell young Adam scenario of like, you're going to be delivering pot 
and yeah, the t- and that's you would probably be like, whoa, or like, or like, what am I going to be a criminal? Like, yeah, or I would have been like, God, what a loser. So we had to use Trump's yeah. word loser that we were talking about before we got on air. Exactly. But no, I, I just, I mean, I have my job. It's a productive job. I contribute. Did you even you know? smoke weed in college or anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When did you start so. smoking pot? First time I ever got high was March 24th, 1984. It was the first time I there ever got high. My, it was a Sunday. My sister was a, two months old. I was, uh, <laughs> my buddy Steve and I, who I'm still a family friend, he lives in the Bay Area. 14, still. that's a good age. Yeah, I was old 14, months short of my 15th birthday. And I, and I had smoked pot a few times and never really got high the first couple of times. It didn't affect me. And then, and then one time he was just like, we're going to smoke you up. And I had a head rush that I almost lost my balance. Like it was so powerful and was just laughing hysterically for like 45 straight minutes. I'm like, well, this is fun. Why, why wouldn't I do this? You know, but it ebbs and flows. My pot headed dumb ebbs and flows, you know, always with me because of work and working nine to five. I, I rarely party during the week. It's rare. I mean, it might happen two or three times a year and that is it. You know, I, I just can't do it. I love how you call it partying. You know what? Yeah, that's my thing. I party 24 seven, dude. <laughs> <laughs> 2,000 views, zero pot. That was for uh, Ed Helms. Who's, it? who's the, the guy uh, who's the, not Ed Helms. Who's the guy who's the huge uh, Prince guy, the, the black guy who might listen to our show? Good oh, guy. Ed Towns? Ed Towns, yes. Yeah. Uh, he's a big Prince fan. I like Ed Towns. At first, I thought you were singing I Would Walk 500 Miles. By the- <laughs> Dude, by the Scott of the Proclaimers. That's a, I used to have, those dudes terrify me because one night I had a fucking nightmare of their pale British asses following me through the woods playing that song. <laughs> so I'm running through the woods. When I go out. And I hear that. Dun, 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 in the, and like I, I keep thinking I'm running away and it's quiet. And then all of a sudden you hear. Dun, 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 like, and I see their pale fucking glass. It was like I was genuinely scared of them as a kid. The fucking brilliance or whatever they're called. Oh, no, the, uh, the pro- proclaimers. The proclaimers. They were actually, when I was in college, that song hit in the late 80s. And then, it, and then it, but it's real hit happened in the mid 90s here. But did that song, I feel like it's a good song. A band, a punk band that I like covered that and I enjoyed it. That's good. That's good. Who was your Did that song come out the same the same time Addicted to Love by fucking Robert Palmer came out? You know, it actually was. People don't realize that because it was it really hit more in my mid 90s. But it came out like in 87, 88, you know, because a roommate of mine from college had that on a disc. Dude, my mom, we when my mom first left my dad, we moved to Maryville, Indiana. Yeah. And we lived in this place called Pine Island Apartments. <laughs> and it was me, my sister, my mom. My dad, my mom was with my stepdad, but we didn't live with him yet. Okay. And the transition was happening. She had this, first she had a cult. You know the cars, the Colt? They were little tiny cars. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then she had this big ass car. But rotating in those cars was Robert Palmer, Addicted to Love, <laughs> The Proclaimers, Fucking, I would walk 500 miles. Yeah. And then fucking the Elvis Costello greatest hits cassette where it's his face and it's blue on the side of it. It's just a greatest hits oh, cassette. Oh, it's a greatest. It's it's not Spike. No. Spike came out in 89. No. Okay, it's like okay. it, he almost looks like a moon in the sky. Yeah. But it's, you know, but it's I, the I've side been, profile of his face. I had always had mixed feelings towards him. As a, I, 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 I love I, Elvis Costello. He says the N word in a song. Why, why? What? What is his? Uh, what's his? What's his? Your favorite song of his? Uh, pops angels want to wear my red shoes i also like fucking yeah, welcome yeah. to the working week is a, welcome to the working week is a good song yeah uh that tune that's in the fucking 
that's at the end of uh 200 cigarettes which is a fucking great movie uh what the <laughs> fuck is it uh what's so fun about peace love and understanding, understanding yes yeah i mean he listen he's got hits i mean the whole my aim is veronica, true album is great is veronica that's song? on spike I yeah think. yeah it's on spike that's, that's an older song yeah and th- then oliver's a- army is good that's yeah. the one he says the n-word in radio is a real salvation yeah. radio he jams dude yeah you know uh he, he was big big in the 80s no doubt about that he but your mom wasn't a Midnight Oil fan, though, correct? No, but I do like that song. <laughs> Let's get <laughs> it back. <laughs> down, down, down. <laughs> Where do we go? <laughs> the verses are like... <laughs> <laughs> they were like Australian woke of that the late like 80s. That guy's like a prime minister now. <laughs> He's like heavily pol- political. Let's get it back. No, he was How very- <laughs> can we dance when our bodies He was... Uh- <laughs> song is about giving australia back to the indigenous people yeah yeah about aborigines yeah or, or, you know what the racist term is for an aborigine in australia one, one of the racist terms buddy of mine lived in australia in the late 80s they call them bongs like soaking a bong hit that's great call them bongs when they call them bongs because that's the noise they make when you hit them with your car bong like that's the noise like that. that's that that that's how well, racist is, that was oh, it's, it's a just t- a giant penal colony i mean it's you know and honestly Lila Garrity stuck up ass we're watching friday night lights here in the corner if you couldn't tell she's cute Jeez. that she is look fucking, like annie weller who i fooled around with for yeah a while, back that's lila Garrity. she dated Jarek Derek jeter in real life but no what were we saying about uh midnight oil midnight oil yeah, it, Australia is is like the states. It's basically, I mean, with a lot less people, but it's got a lot of rednecks. There's a lot of rednecks in Australia, but even there, they banned assault rifles when they had their big mass shooting in Sydney. Yeah. They're like, okay, we're banning it. Like I've they read in, in the New account Zealand. of that mass shooting before. Is it? Yeah. I mean, how, how does? I it, mean, it's weird how all these like the the size of the story and the setup, and then like the detailed account of everything. <sighs> And all then, the different perspectives. But then you find out that the shooting lasted like four and a half minutes. Yeah. Like yeah. it's so quick. But then you read it and you're like, oh, this sounds like two hours of just straight drama. Well, I, I think when shit like that goes on, it time stops. You know what I mean? Like it moves very slow. Because it's timed out perfect. Of Yet like, it's totally fast. It starts too. When, they, when the dude wakes up in the morning Ugh, of yeah. like calls his mother, does this, sets his manifesto. Then like he goes because it was like a vacation spot yeah. where he shot up. And like he parks outside, walks like starts killing people as he's walking in. And then there's people that are like in shops that don't even know what the fuck is going on. And then like it's just did, did, did he go to a uh, a mall or something? Or, 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 or yeah, was it? Yeah, Let me was see. It? I'm curious. Yeah, I was thinking about this, Keith, because for your generation, it seems like the mass shooter is the serial murderer of my generation. Columbine, Gen- yeah. Gen-, Gen X was very into this. The individual serial murderer capture. I mean, why do you think Silence of the Lambs is such a huge movie? You know, and a franchise because Gen X loved that. But I feel like your generation, the mass shooter, kind of supplanted that. You know, which is interesting because I mean the mass shooting thing is definitely a the Port a, Arthur massacre. Is that uh, in Port Arthur, Texas? Port Arthur, or? Tasmania. Oh, 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 okay. So it was, it was in Australia. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, April twenty eighth to the 29th, a mass thirty five people were killed and twenty three wounded. Mm. What was his reason? What year was it? Uh, Ninety six. And what was his reasoning for that? Um. Was it a racist thing or just a, aftermath like an, an incel? and analysis? I don't know if it was racist. Let me skim over some of it. In 1992, Martin Bryan, then 25, was bequeathed about $570,000 in property and assets by a friend, Helen Harvey, who left her 
estate to him following her death in a car crash. He used part of this money to go on many trips around the world from 93 onwards. Bryant also withdrew many thousands of dollars during this period. He used at least some of the money in late 93 to purchase an AR-10 semi-automatic rifle through a newspaper advertisement in Tasmania. Hmm. Uh, Bryant's father tried to purchase a bed and bre- Oh, yeah, okay. So he, his dad tried to purchase a bed and bre- uh, breakfast called Seascape, but Noeline, also known as Sally, and David Martin bought this property before his father could. So that that was the impetus of it. And then his dad committed suicide because they couldn't fucking... Because it was like their dream. They probably invested everything into it. It fell through. So oh. his dad fucking kills himself. Oh, okay. oh, oh, so his dad killing himself is what made him snap. Yeah. Ooh, wow. Uh, what Brian, a rough bomb. That's a nuclear bomb going off for that family. So, Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, they declined the... Okay, so they kept... Brian's father offered to buy another property from the Martins at the Palmer's Lookout Road, but they declined the offer. So the dad was like, I'll buy you another spot and we'll switch. And they were like, no, we want the spot you want. So then the dad kills himself. Hmm. Uh, Bryant later described the Martins as very mean people and as the worst people in my life. And Bryant, Bryant was Bryant's the guy shooter. who shot everybody. And Martin up. was his in-laws. Martin was the couple that bought the property from off uh, from under his dad. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, in late '95, Martin became suicidal after deciding he had had enough. I just felt more people were against me. Oof. Yeah, you're, when I tried to be friendly toward them, they just walked away. Although he had previously been a little more than a social drinker, his alcohol consumption increased. In March '96, Bryant and his AR-10 repaired at it had his AR-10 repaired at a gun shop and made inquiries about an AR-15 and other gun shops. At the time of purchase, non-handguns were not required to be registered in Tasmania. According to Bryant, he had thought the plan for Port Arthur. Uh, may have first occurred uh, to him 12 weeks before the event. Okay, so yeah, it was about a four-month germination period. Motivation. Bryant's motivation for the massacre was the refusal of the sale of the seascape by the owners David and Nolene Martin and to become notorious, as revealed by his lawyer on the Channel 7 program Sunday night. Uh, He continually wanted people to know how many people he had killed and seemed impressed by the number. Bryant (sighs) is only allowed to listen to music on a radio outside his cell and is denied access to any news reports of his massacre. Photographers allowed in to take pictures of him in his cell were fo- were forced to destroy the film in his presence when the governor found out. Huh. Uh, interesting how, how they want to like make it like, yeah, you're not going to get like an ego stroke out of this or yeah. something. You know what I mean? Like that as a strategy. That, 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 that makes sense with that psychology. There's certainly a narcissism to be able to go out and do something like that. It's pretty, uh, pretty so dramatic. Like, he wakes up at 6 a.m., leaves the house at 9.47, travels to Forset, arriving sometime around 11 a.m. Uh, 1.10, he gets to Port Arthur, and then there's this fucking b- broad arrow cafe murder. Oh. Uh, yeah, so he's like, open it's air. like a giant place. So yeah. he gets there, and he's just like walking up and picking off people as he goes. Oh, oh so he's not spraying them. He's actually being more methodical. Oh, yeah. Ooh. And then he gets to Ooh, this cafe. More sinister. And then he gets to this cafe, and he basically kills everybody inside the cafe. Th- then he sprays them, basically? Is, is, that, is that when he actually pulls Okay, the- so around 110, Bryant got in the line of a toll booth at the entrance to the historic site. He paid the entry fee and proceeded to park near the Broad Arrow Cafe near the water's edge. The site security manager told him to park with the other cars because the area was reserved for camper vans and the car park was very busy that day. Bryant moved his car to another site. Uh, he then moved his car back 
near the water outside the cafe. The security manager saw him go up the cafe carrying a sports-type bag with a video camera but ignored him. Bryant went into the cafe and purchased a meal which he ate on the deck outside. He attempted conversation with people about the lack of wasps in the area. Uh, and there not being as many Japanese tourists as usual. He appeared nervous and quite uh, quite regularly looked back at his car uh, parked in the cafe. Bryant finished his meal, walked into the cafe, returned his tray, assisted by some of the people who opened the door for him. He put his bag down on the table, uh, pulled out of it a Colt AR-15 SP-1 carbine with a Colt scope and 30-round magazine attached. The bag also contained, among other things, the knife he used to stab David David Martin. That was the guy. Wow. So he, kills, so the he killed the couple before he, he oh, went to Port Arthur. That was his first one? Yeah. And that, that make, happened I mean, in the morning. That, that makes sense. I mean, that, that's that's the reason why you're doing it. You yeah. Know? Um, so he stabbed that dude. Uh, the cafe was very small. The tables were very close together and was particularly busy that day with many people waiting uh, for the next ferry. The following events happened extremely quickly. Bryant took aim from his hip, pointed his rifle at Mohi. Oh, these are all people now. Yeah. Uh, Bryant then fired a shot at Mick Sargent, grazing his scalp and knocking him to the floor. What a lucky bastard. Yeah, no shit. Uh, yeah. Then he shot a 28-year-old. Yeah, then he just started murking people Oof. in the restaurant. Wow. How was he subdued? Um. Let's see. He got... Oh, they. it was like a standoff. Okay, well, okay, okay. I thought maybe he ran out of ammo. So I'm, I'm going, I'm going to the him. end. So there was, I'm not going to detail all of it. So there was, it goes the Broad Arrow Cafe murders, which is where he ate. And yeah. then he goes to the gift shop and kills people there. Then he goes to the car park and kills people there. Then he goes to the toll booth and kills people there. And then he jacks a car. Yeah. Uh, at this point, Bryant had killed 33 and injured 19. Um, mm. service. Then he went to a service station, killed someone there, <laughs> and then he abducted somebody. Oh, so, uh, yeah, he, so he, he was kidnapping. Too. And then at Seascape Roadway, he shot at a red Ford Falcon, continuing the other way. He was on a mission. Yeah. Uh, I feel like people like that are trying to get caught when that happens. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, they're going out with with a bang, not a whimper. You know, I mean, they, they know this is going to end. Pro- Likely in their death. It's not so there. different than like TV when you see someone doing this in a movie where it's methodical and they have this secret. Yeah. I got a plane ticket with an identity. I'm going to go yeah. to fucking Paraguay. <laughs> yeah, I have my out. You know, I yeah. have my route to survive this. No, no, they don't give a shit. They're, they're making the choice to do this and they're going to randomly kill people, you know. So, uh, yeah. But again, the mass shooting, would you say Columbine for like your, my, your generation? That was a big kind of watershed. I love the fucking oh yeah, dude. Like, Columbine's like a big. That, that's like almost like a September 11th event in your that mind. That was like well because they, everything changed after that. Yeah, Joe you McMahon said that too. The year you had to get your backpack searched every morning. I had to walk through a metal. They wanded us with a medical yeah. with a metal detector for the rest of that year. Yeah. Um. After that, you my friend like you would get expelled for having like band shirts with cuss words on it. Yeah. Like my friend had a Pearl Jam shirt, a Pearl Jam Jeremy shirt on yeah. it, and it had a gun on it of, of the back of it, and they sent him home from school. Yeah. For wearing it, and it was just under his uniform shirt. Yeah. And they like saw it through his uniform because we had to wear school uniforms. Oh, interesting. 
I'm curious, you know, because that wasn't the way that when I went to school it was more loose. It was. It was is just that, in know? middle school, and they told me that. And did, this did that is, do you think it was a good thing? Or? Well, I didn't mind it. I mean, they they looked. It was it was a sky blue shirt. Yeah, a sky blue polo shirt with navy slacks and brown shoes. Yeah, and then you could also wear like a a, a navy sweater over the polo. If you wanted to. Do you think that that helped with one of the big things in junior high school? I'm sorry to cut you off, Keith. I know for myself, and certainly high school, it faded by my junior and senior year when I became more secure with myself. Was, again, the whole who had good clothes, who had bad clothes, who had the right shoes, who didn't have the right shoes. Like That was extremely important from like 12 to 15 or 16. Here's, very important. Here's what they told me. D- did it get rid of that, you think? No, or? because we all had clothes in our locker to yeah. get out of our unit. Like the yeah. second the bell rang, people, you were out of your uniform. people, when you would leave the building, you'd see people untucking their uniforms yeah. and like unbuttoning their shirts. So they didn't like them necessarily. No, you just had to do it. And then people even found ways around it like they even tightened it up over the like you used to be able to have your shit untucked and then they stopped yeah. that yep. and then after a little bit you had to buy a specific polo shirt because people were just buying sky blue shirts and yeah. wearing them yeah and then like you had to wear a belt you couldn't not wear a belt yep uh there was a lot of insane shit like yeah, that yeah I had but they that, told yep. me that the reason they did it is because in the in the mid '90s, starter jackets were huge. Absolutely, and Absolutely. I guess kids were getting fucking jumped for their starter jackets. Yeah. Oh, because because that that was like an eighty dollar jacket or ninety dollar jacket. That was an expensive jacket. You so know? even more than that. So they kind of panicked and thought like, well, kids are getting beat up for their clothes. Yeah. So we'll just make it so they have to. Everybody has to wear the same thing. Yep. Exactly. But but you were still still a junior high school kid or high school kid. You know what I mean? Like Here's it wasn't the real like, thing. Yeah. Black kids were jumping white kids for their starter jackets. <laughs> yeah. And they wanted to stop it. Oh, it, oh so, so there was a racial undercurrent you, to it, too? Absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Because I always thought, because that argument, I remember when I was like in my 20s, that became a thing. Like in the 90s, that became, going having a school uniform was definitely a policy that was kind of, I don't want to say it wasn't like wildfire, but a lot of schools were implementing it. And I, and I was, you know, I was working at that time in my career or early in my career. So I remember thinking to myself, maybe that was a good idea to have that. Cause I, I think about my young experience was if you didn't have the right clothing, you got made fun of oh, and f- or, or if, 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 if you had nice clothing, then you got kind of fucked with because you were like, oh, you have some money. No. So I remember when I was in elementary school, it was a, a nicer area that I lived in. Yeah. And you need air walks were so popular. Yeah. The, the shoes air the skateboard shoes, air walks. Yeah. And if you didn't have air walks, you got made fun of. And I remember I got air walk looking shoes and everybody made fun of me for having cheap air walks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That was a big thing that started in the fifth grade. I, I so think. that did go away, but here's the thing you get made fun of for other shit. Well, exactly. It, you're your not going to still going to be kids you're, from fifth through eighth grade. That's bully time. Yeah, absolutely. It's just yep. you're not stopping it. Yep. If you're if if you take away them making fun of their clothes, they're gonna make fun of their hair. Yeah. Or, or they're then, gonna make fun of the way they breathe. Something. Or goofy. they're gonna make fun of your family. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna know something. That, yeah. They're, they're gonna figure something out. Yeah. It's just how kids are. Yep. No. It's exactly. You can't. You can try to avoid it, and I think a lot of people have pain still from that experience. You know that that stays with them and motivates them. I think a lot of people. You know really what helped hurts. me is most of the people who made fun of me, I either was friends with or eventually became friends with. I think it's when you immediately are like, like defensive and like, uh, or when you just kind of are like, well, I'm not gonna like 
talk to the person. I used to hate this girl named Risha Daniels. Yeah. Oh, we used to go at it, dude. We would roast each other. <laughs> and I did I did not like her. Yeah. But we would talk every day. Yeah. <laughs> There's something good about that, though. You know what I mean? Like, you have to know your enemy a little bit. Like, I think there's the, the whole ignoring someone. Anytime I would open, I would just be like, what's up, Risha? And she'd go, shut up talking to me. <laughs> oh, she was a sister? Oh, yeah. I went oh, to yeah. school with a lot of black people. I used to make fun of her because she had visible glue in her fucking dreadlocks. <laughs> Chunks of glue in her hair. It was disgusting. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> That's hilarious, man. But no, it, it just... Uh, I think about from my bullying because I certainly got bullied, but not you know my my bullying was more my my brother that that was yeah. my bullying my family. She situation. would call me fat. I was a fat kid. That's yeah. she would call me fat pasty white boy. Like <laughs> it wasn't like I was just going at her. Yeah, yeah. I had to. F- oh yeah, you had to fend off some things too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this girl Chandra Shields hated. She used to torture people, but she really liked me. But I always had ammo for her because she had a real hairy neck oh yeah like a sideburn that connected below her ear yeah yeah. so i always was just like if she comes at me that was in your back pocket she comes at me about anything i'm fucking going at that (laughs) neck hair immediately (laughs) i'm trying to think but she liked me because i would and i would be like why do you like me she called my fucking english teacher a fag to his face (sighs) and he took it wow he took it he didn't send her off or anything it was he was gay i felt no he was just oh. a dork, a dorky okay. white guy. Yeah. I actually felt bad for him, and we actually got closer because I worked at a video store that he used to go to. Yeah. And I looked back at his account and saw the last time he ordered porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I think about, you know, when I was bullied. I, I certainly got made, when I, when I moved, when I was the new kid, it, it breaks one of two ways being the new kid. At 13 years old, I move. My eighth grade experience, to me, eighth grade is the pinnacle year of it all. Eighth grade is the worst. It, it improves after eighth grade. When I moved, you know, sure, I was getting made fun of in the sixth and seventh grade, but I had a crew. I also had an older brother that people knew. Hey, I was Jay's brother. So they kind of knew me. So I was going to have a certain path going into high school. Teachers would have liked me. My brother was a brain. You know, they, that, that was what he was labeled. He was a brain. My, my brother was labeled most preppy in his high school, which is oh. hilarious when I think about it now. It's hilarious when I think about is it Is he now. not preppy? Oh, he is an obese, <laughs> mentally ill man now is what he is. That, that, that's, you know, I mean, that's just what he is, you know. And he's been, I mean. And but I, does I just, he still wear like khakis and no, shit? No, no, no. He just, he wears Basketball clothes, shorts, thread, huh? no, like th- threadbare and shit. He's just, because he's just like, this materialistic society we live in is a lie. Everyone buys into it. Listen, man. Have you know if you get, you got the cash, get a few nice pieces of clothing. He's you know just what I mean? Wrapped in a tinfoil NASA blanket, <laughs> fucking on the internet all Eating day. Kale, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> no, he's not that because he's actually overweight. But anyway, uh, so I mean, when I think about my, my bullying, being the new kid was tough. Uh, I got bullied a lot that first year, pretty fair amount. Not, not, I wasn't one of the true bullied kids, but I was like two levels away from that, maybe even a level away from that because I was the new kid. And I can remember uh, crying one time after school. I remember crying. You know, we should have a segment in this show. You know, it just should be called crying. Just our experience crying, you know. So, dude, you want to cry? That that was one of the last times I ever cried with a school thing. I was 13 years old. When was the last time I cried in school? I never. uh, I cried when. Oh, I think I told the story before. Yeah. But go ahead. When was the last time you cried? I'm trying to think. I don't know if I ever did it in school. I think I've. You must have cried in like the fourth or fifth grade or something. Um, no, I never cried in school. That you know something, I, I can't make that boast. I cried one time in school. 
I cried one time in school. What'd you do? Uh, it was a, a seventh grade dance. I was 12 years old. I'd go to the dance. You know, it was fun. You know, I remember listening to Rick James' Super Freak. I was just thinking about that today. And, uh, you know, you'd be in a circle with a bunch of boys and girls, like six boys, six girls. You'd be kind of push. The boys would be pushing each other around. The girls would be giggling. You know what I mean? You were, a bit, you were kids. You were 12 years old. Well, yeah. I had a crush on uh, Andre, uh, Andrea Russo. She was totally beautiful. She was like, I had a crush on her. She was a cheerleader. I had a huge crush on her. I 12 years old. And then we got this kid, Jamie Williams, who I liked. He was a good kid, Southern kid. Good kid, though. And we were kind of goofing around. And he shoved me. And she was sitting down on a chair. She, he shoved me into her. And my back of my elbow caught her on the bridge of the nose and gave her a bloody nose. And she started, she's burst into tears, Ooh. you know? Like she burst into tears. And I felt terrible. I felt, and I cried. I, I, I ran off and cried. <laughs> <laughs> and my buddy Scott Marple was like, what the fuck is your problem, man? You fucking cried. What are you, he like, I mean, it, but it was one-on-one. -on -one. He didn't do it in front of the group. He's like, what are you doing, man? He completely Oh, like, that's great. I've never cried. A, I'm proud that I've only cried about <laughs> stupid shit. Like I've never actually, I've not cried through deaths. I've been to both Ooh, grandparents' yeah. funerals. I laughed hard at one of my friend's dad. My best friend's dad died. Yeah. And I remember I cackled laughing at his funeral because, yeah. well, he, they, the priest was doing the eulogy. And it was clearly that funeral home's priest or whatever yeah. the fuck. Like, he didn't know the, the guy that I knew. Yeah. Because yeah. he was doing his little eulogy. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, Bob thought of Eleanor. <laughs> as a rare rose and His when he wife. and when yeah. he said that i just went because <laughs> there's no way he thought that i know <laughs> there's no way he loved his wife but yeah. there's no way he thought of her as a rare rose <laughs> yeah in a very literal plane. it was just that yeah. moment where i was like you didn't know big bob yeah like he called me homo all the time like, there's no way he thought of his wife as a rare rose. Yeah, she was a rare rose. Eleanor. <laughs> By the way, what an old school good name. It's a great Eleanor. Name. She's allergic to the sun. You know, ooh, man. Oh, she gets like sun poisoning and stuff yeah, on her skin? Yeah, she gets, she gets tired in the sun. Ooh. We used to make fun. Oh, believe me, we made fun of her and her children for that. <laughs> That's such a bad allergy. Your children get made fun of for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my crying experience. Sickly kids, those Doyles. Yeah. Some people are, you know. Oh, they she fucking her son allergy passed on. Fucking my her one the one oldest kid has blue lips for some reason, blue freckles Ooh. on his lips. Ooh. Had yeah. had this it's thing. A circulation he issue. had this thing, thing where his fucking he had polyps and his fucking ass would fall out of his ass oh. all the time. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Like I mean, were they conceived like next to like a used uranium crop, you know, rod plant, you know, like a they're like just some sort broken of a, people. You know, whatever, a, a landfill. Amy's pretty you know? strong. His sister's pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> so she didn't really have anything too wrong with her, but like we used they're just bra frail people. Yeah. Yeah. Frail people. Yeah. Actually, it's semi-serious cuz so Bobby, <laughs> he has kids. Yeah. Every time they have a kid, they have to get checked for polyps. Wow. It's like a because they're it's, it's a hereditary like a thing. Well, if yeah. you catch it early enough too, you can like, like stop it to it? where yeah. your your ass won't fall oh, out when you're God. taking a shit. God. <laughs> yeah, that 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 But that that's would be how terrible. intense we were. We yeah. made fun of him for that. Yeah. <laughs> like we found out that his intestines fell out of his anus while he was taking a shit one time and we were like, 
That is hilarious. I feel very good about that. That I never, I mean, you know, knowing knowing some bullies, again, Monty. But I loved him. Maturing. Yeah, of course. You know, Monty said, all you got to do as a bully is just find one thing. It's just one thing and hammer that thing home. Trump has proven that. You just hammer that home and you repeat it. We did it to family members. My best friend used to make fun of his uh, grandma Betty, they called her. It wasn't his grandma, but it was like his cousin's grandma. Like step type shit. Yeah. Like it wasn't his grandma, but they called her grandma. Yeah. She loved Liberace. And I guess anytime they were around her, they would just call Liberace gay. (laughs) And it would really get her upset. Like legitimately... Like and end Christmas dinners, <laughs> just her in a huff, just like taking taking her, her napkin Wesley, out of her, out of her was, neck and be like, "That's it, I out was, of my collar, it's over." I was there in one a time. Huff. Liberace's not gay. I was Liberace's there. gay. Oh, he was gay. As, Liberace was gayer than a fucking three dollar bill. Gay is a Christmas light fucking parade. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, he the one that got me. We were at a get together and they were talking about Liberace, and my best friend goes. He was just like, man, I heard Liberace had his hand buried with his hand in his back pocket. Like, I'm just like janking with his dick. And they were like, that's enough. I'm done. And she like left yeah, the room. You're pushing a button. He wasn't buried that way. You know what I mean? Like, it. I, I, by the way, his reels autopsy, celebrity autopsy is a great one. It's a great one because it totally goes into they use the autopsy or just like how fucking closeted he had to be in those times. I remember him dying. Well, it probably and he, took on physical features. He was so closeted. Well, it, it was also that wrinkles from being 20 years in the closet. Well, but, but also, yeah, but he also what was creepy about him is he had a lover. And he was interviewed on his Scott, E-Hollywood show. Yes, Scott. Matt Scott Damon. Thorson. Hey, Scott. Exactly. Which, by the way, is behind the candelabra is a, a good great, movie. It's a good Scott. movie. And I guess like I remember they were interviewing the actual Scott Thorson, and I was like, did, I was like, did Liberace have a son? Like he had a beard in the fifties. He was trying to wasn't like, Scott a big beefy gay guy? Well, yeah, he, he was, and he was young. I mean, he was like in his early twenties. You know, he he wanted a young guy, and uh, and and I was like, but he looked like Liberace. I was like Scott Thorson. Well, then it turns out. Liberace brought Scott Thorson to a plastic surgeon in the in Beverly Hills in the early 80s. Got him all. He got him to look like him, right? Yeah, yeah, and brought a picture of himself from 30 years earlier when he was a young man and said, I want you to make his face look like mine when I was 27 years old. So his his face looks like, I mean, that is a form of narcissism oh. that's, that's pretty crazy. That's a pretty crazy form of narcissism. I mean, it's ultimately yes, also, harmless. It's weird. How good was Liberace throwing it down if you agree to do that? Well, okay, okay, Lee. But yeah, but then he, he, there was I mean, money involved, right? He was just paying paying for his heroin addiction or something. Well, yeah, right? I, I think he was all into pills and stuff too. I mean, I'm sure he was a fucked up dude. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I don't care what you do as long as you boof it off my butt. Yeah, what well, he was. Uh, but it's you interesting. know what boofing is, Scott? <laughs> Boofing's when you get it all in the wrinkles. <laughs> when he was. Uh, uh, when he died, and I was in high school, senior in high school. Like Rod Hudson died a couple years earlier. Freddie, uh, uh, um, uh, Freddie, Freddie Prince, Freddie Mercury had not died. I was going to say yet. got fingered, but but it was like uh, there was enough gay people that had died, and it was like still kind of like, well, he was he gay? It's like yes, he was fucking gay. Absolutely. And he was, I mean, he was he was as gay as Stanley Tucci. <laughs> The Stanley Tucci, but that's gonna be a that's gonna be our hook that actually gets us more followers. That's Stanley be, Tucci's that's, gay. Yeah, it's gonna be. Did you hear? Hey, there's a whisper campaign. Stanley Tucci's gay. He's not gay. He's got he's children. Not at all. He's got like four or five kids. Yeah. you know that's not a beard. You know, it's like no. You yeah. know, I mean, uh, two or two or fewer is a beard. If you got three or four kids, you're a heterosexual yeah. man. You know, you like you, you're, you know, you, you, you like enjoy you know, it. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, Liberace, uh, yeah, the gay thing, saying gay and faggot was, whew. I mean, that was said loudly. Oh, dude, loud. Even, even in, in college. the early 2000s, we were watching, yeah. I watched the two early Rob Zombie movies, House of a Thousand Corpses and yeah. <laughs> and that, that whole family. House shows. of a Thousand Corpses. Dude, those movies are awesome. Yeah. Zombie, man. Wh- hey, White Zombie movies. was good, you know? Yeah, I love. I'm like, I love his movies. You're like, White Zombie was good. <laughs> they, in the early '90s, they were definitely part of that kind of Lower East Side, <laughs> yeah, like helmet <laughs> fucking cop shoot cop. You That's know, every White Zombie song. That was like badass music in '93. <laughs> 93, 94, you were into White Zombie. It was bad ass. <laughs> I love, I like the, yeah, Rob Zombie's solo album came out when I was in sixth grade. Super <laughs> Mega Beast or whatever the fuck. That's, that shit was popular. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, definitely, you, you know, you were of an era, like when I was growing up, when I was in high school, it was like the, well, so the, the band guys took over the jocks as the cool dudes. Dude, check this out. Yeah. When in sixth grade, I just realized how dumb this was. <laughs> we used to bring CDs to school yeah. to just show them to each other. Oh, yeah. Like we yeah. would just be like, I got the new Rob Zombie <laughs> CD and then I would just stare at it in math class. Well, of course, read man. Read the liner. Read the liner notes. Reading the liner notes is a fun thing to do on an album. <laughs> I love reading liner notes. You don't do that now. That's one of the things about being a music connoisseur now. It's so instantaneous that you miss out. Liner notes are a good thing. But man. I, I just like the idea of like, oh, I got the new Rob Zombie CD. Instead of being cool and being like, let's ditch class and go listen to it. I'm just yeah. like, can I hold it? Yeah. Can yeah. I hold it while I pay attention in math class? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, it's a distraction no. to not pay attention. We should yeah. have a pack of cigarettes rolled up in our locker, <laughs> and we go listen to this album in an alley. Yeah, somewhere. exactly. For get a fifteen minute listening. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. We lived so close to middle school. That was always <laughs> how you know that we're fucking controlled by fucking every aspect of life. Yeah. Of how there were times where I could almost see my house from my school, and I'm just like. Was that a form of torture? No, but it was. I just remember just thinking of like, I could ask to go to the bathroom right now. Yeah, and just go home. And just go home. Yeah, yeah. And and be back. Nobody. Yeah. Almost nobody would know. Yep. Or That's a good care. thing, though, man. I mean, and I just never did. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to every time. I my ditching was lying about being sick. If I wanted to ditch school, I would just tell my mom I don't feel good and I Man, stay home. Man, I I never ditched school. I went. I it wasn't was a, a great problem student, for but me. I They yeah. used to have to it got so bad to where even when I was sick, they would make me go to school because yeah. they weren't quite sure if I was telling the truth. I also got I developed psychosomatic sickness. Yeah. Where in second grade it was real bad where every morning for some reason I would just say I'm sick, I'm sick and then I would make myself throw up <laughs> because you didn't like going to school. I hated it. Yeah. I remember in second grade, I started thinking every day, and I did did this pretty much until high school. Yeah. Every day I'd go to school, and I would count down 17 more years before I don't have to go to school. Oh, Jesus Christ. 16 more years. What a form of torture to like, do to yourself. Or however many years. Like yeah. I, I, Oh, asked, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, like, you probably aren't the only one. Like you know? nine oh, more years. Dude, the last day of years. school, again, this is not, the last day of school was like liberation. It was like the ball and chain was being taken off your ankle. Like, my God, I got two and a half or three months. However many hours there are between kindergarten and high school, I hated every <laughs> single one of them. I never, ever 
had fun in school. Yeah, I uh, school was a chore for me. School was a chore for me. Ever. It was. Lunch uh, was. I got dope. Lunch, physical education, and and, and time we had like a period off. Uh, there were too many classes going on for me. I would have done better with like three classes versus Dude, five. I had five this, classes is too many for me. I had this old kooky ass reading teacher. Yeah. I told you this off mic of reading and English were separate in my yeah. fucking school. My reading teacher, Mr. Novak, this motherfucker thought that Minutemen should still exist to make yeah. people go vote. Yeah. He, he would show you videos about Lyme disease because he <laughs> thought Lyme disease was fucking rampant. Yep. And he thought you should be lot. He thought school should end at noon. He was like, you should all be able to go home. Yeah. At noon. You should go like 830 to and noon. And like do like, because he was talking about pioneer times when you had to go help Pa on the farm. Yeah, and shit. Exactly. I'm sure you had to do five, six but hours. But he said, yeah. he was like, I, he was like, there's no reason that you guys, he goes in, as a teacher, I thought he knew what he was talking about. But he said, yeah. he goes, there's nothing you, past noon, you're not going to learn anything. Yeah. Like he just thought like you're done. Your, your brain is too active by yep. then. Yeah. Like we got from 7 a.m. to noon yep. to shove as much shit in your head yep. and then you should be allowed to leave. Yeah. What's yeah. that extra three hours? Really? Yeah. No, I know from myself. Noon to three, everyone's just itching to go home. Yeah. You're not paying attention. You know what I found, too? Uh, there shouldn't be a class after lunch. When I would eat lunch, I would just be completely sluggish for like forty five. That's minutes, another thing too. You know? He said we should be allowed. Should we should be allowed. We should, or we should be. We shouldn't. We should be allowed to leave school do, and do, trust that we can come back. Do, do you know? You know another thing they did uh, that, that's smart in Europe and a lot of the Southern European countries. They got that siesta. In Spain, you'll work like nine to noon, nine to one. You have one to three off, and then you work like three to six, maybe four to seven. So you go back and work a second part of the day because the middle of the day, they do go back when and they have legit tea time. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. you get 20 minutes to drink a spot of fucking tea. Well, and, and, you know, why wouldn't that make sense? That's humane. <laughs> this country's like, no, we're going to put the screws to you. God damn it. You just got to figure out ways. You want to know what I do? I get yeah, a, yeah, you do. I get a 10 minute break, Crocious. So you know what I do? I order food and then I go back to work. Until my food's done. Yeah. Which is, that's a seven minute break right yeah. there. Yep. Then you get your food, you go on your 10 minute break. Yep. You really milk that 10. The second your ass hits the seat, yeah. your 10 minute break starts. Yeah. And then when 10 minutes later, you get up, you throw away, then you go to the bathroom. Yeah. I got a shit. I just yeah. ate. Yep. 10 more minutes. Yep. Right there. I get 30 minutes out of my 10 minute break yeah. every fucking morning. Yeah. Well, you should. Uh, you should, but you're right. But for me, I feel this too with work right now. I do very good work in the morning by eight thirty, by eight fifteen. Sometimes <coughs> I'm raring to go, and those first couple hours, really until about noon or one o'clock, I'm cranking. I'm cranking. Today I worked three and a half hours, two hours and forty five minutes, three hours. I was cranking the last half an hour, starting to get cranky, and I was like, oh, it's time for me to stop. You know, so I'll put another four hours in tomorrow. But I tend to do better work earlier in the day. Yeah. You know, so, so, I mean, I still work at the end of the day, but by the end of the day, dude, I'm physically exhausted. By five, five thirty, I'm tired. I've put an, a good nine hour day in. Minute you know? men, though, man. Yeah, well, this that, motherfucker that's a went goofy. on a rant. Oh, that's we a laughed. Goofy. We laughed. Our, I knew his daughter. Yeah. And when I found out that she was his daughter, I was like, "Oh, Mr. Novak's your dad," and she was just kind of like, "Yeah, yeah." 
By the way, wild. Friday Night Lights has some pretty women, but go ahead. Well, yeah, dude. It's fucking the, the, all hot bimbos from this fucking is like, Dillon, Texas. Yeah, from this the is, fictional town of Dillon, Texas. This is like the uh, the, the Baywatch of now. Where know? was the actual Permian? Was Permian, where the fucking... Uh, it's in, near Odessa. Odessa, it's far yeah. far west Texas. Like a real the desert, real tough part of Texas, you know? Real hard scrabble part of Texas. Yeah. Do you know what's incorrect about the shows and the movies? So when the movie and the show, uh, as well the movie specifically, so they play this one high school in the state championship. Yeah. In the fucking in the movie, Dallas Carter, who's like a total force. They force in the way the playoffs were structured. There's no way those two teams would play. They would have played each other in the semifinal, and they yeah. did. So the game that that championship game is based on was, was actually, a, a semifinal was actually the semifinal. Yeah, and there was like a third of the people there. Yeah. Like in the movie, it's this 15,000 seat stadium. And they said, in reality, there was about 1600 people there. It was pouring mud ass rain. Yeah. And it like was kind of a shitty game. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Interesting. But they said the way the playoffs are structured, the state final is between, because there's different districts. You have like Western league, Eastern league. So like the teams don't play each other until the actual state championship, which is like, Two random fucking teams. It's almost like a BCS situation. Yeah. Oh, dude, there are high schools in Texas that have twenty five thousand oh, yeah. stadiums. Like, but I mean, in nineteen eighty seven, that wasn't a thing. Yeah. Like when plus the- West Texas was poor. West yeah. Texas is poor. Oh, oh, because they had oil. Yeah, but man, but but. but Late late eighties. Well, that's Texas, a big part of the book too. The oil thing. Was well, that's not a as, part of the book. Seventies it was. <clears throat> well, that's a part of the book too. Is uh. About how racist the town was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But, like, they loved him as football players, but they just weren't cool outside. Like, once the game was over, Booby yeah. Miles was fucking... Yeah, he was on the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, yeah. that that end Booby. Yeah. <laughs> but, they yeah, they were a force, man. I mean, yeah, that, those... Texas high school football, they take it seriously, man. Got Landry over here. He's eventually going to become a murderer that kills a child in Breaking Bad. Is, is that... Oh, is, yeah, th- that's that dude. Yeah, he well, weighs. He wasn't weighs he in four hundred Black Monday or something? Now. Something like that. That, he, that, that, that he Whitey weighs Bulger movie. Three hundred and fifty pounds now. Yeah, he played Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, son. Yeah. In, uh, in the master, he's so fat now. He he kind of just looks like that in Breaking Bad, and then they did the Breaking Bad movie El Camino, which takes place moments after Breaking Bad. Yeah. But yeah. in reality, it was filmed ten years later. Yeah. So it's just wild to see when you watch El Camino. It's his character. 85 pounds heavier yeah like how did you gain 85 pounds in yeah four days yeah it's crazy interesting yeah age yeah. hits you dude it's interesting to see with celebrities how most celebrities when they get money they get hot like <laughs> annoyingly hot yeah <laughs> but it's just interesting when you see those celebrities get their big paycheck and you're just like oh you gained 90 pounds quick you're done he's marlon brando you are fucking man i'm gonna eat everything i want you're done with the business i'm literally gonna grow i'm gonna buy an island and have sex with like island girls and stuff i mean you know he went off the deep end man brando went crazy he was like his character in he was like his character in apocalypse now yeah (laughs) when they flew him and i guess a coppola didn't like he literally gained like a good six 
60 to 80 pounds. And he was like, holy shit, I didn't think he was going to be that fat. So they had to shoot him in like shadows and stuff a lot because he was so big, you know, would focus on his face. He made two million bucks for that. And he was like, you know, whatever. He was on set they for beheaded a cow for that movie. <laughs> a snail. <laughs> they actually beheaded a cow. For and a straight razor. Now. You know, like a snail. <laughs> the whole like. I feel like in Apocalypse Now, there are moments in the dialogue where you clearly tell he just got tired. <laughs> you know, I'm delivering uh, my line. Martin I'm going to sleep now. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm now 315 pounds and I'm 5 foot 10. I- I'm tired. <laughs> he just kind of rambles. The he only was thing also I remember. Jarrell in, in Superman. Oh, yeah. Do you want to know what I prominently <laughs> remember about Apocalypse Now is. Smells like victory with, with yeah, the, yeah. The, the napalm and Martin Sheen's naked ass in the beginning. <laughs> He's like nude in bed. Well, I guess when they filmed that, he was tr- like he, he had drank like he was on like bottle of wine number three or four. Like he was c- totally hammered and they took a long time to shoot. So he actually cut his hand when he punched the window. He actually cut his hand and, and then to take him away. And he's weeping. Oh, like having like getting into the role, you know, <laughs> we're going to film you like, but letting an actor like stretch out and get all shit faced and film yeah. him. You know, what, what a goofy idea. Oh, we'll film it for 13 hours and you'll get loaded. You'll get into the character to discover. Let's listen, let's listen and to coach ego. inspire some kids things you want gentlemen let's go oh that's He's right so inspiring dude to hype myself up there's this great fucking speech he does at the championship game where he just fucking you get a tear in your eye oh dude where he's just like because they got this saying throughout the whole series anytime like when they do their locker room thing he'll go clear eyes full hearts and they'll all go can't lose yeah it's fucking great so in the championship game they're getting their asses fucking wallop dude. yeah <clears throat> and they're all just sitting silent and he does the like he was like everybody in the stands here thinks you're gonna lose 20,000 people have written you off tonight <clears throat> and then he was just like at some point every man he's in a fight and he's gonna lose he was just like and he basically does the like there ain't nothing wrong with going down with losing let's go yeah. down fucking fighting yeah and they fucking gets him fucking all hyped up and then he just quietly goes clear eyes full hearts and they just go Carlos! and they fuck <laughs> it's fucking awesome dude you know, all those speeches, though, I always think about that because I didn't play high school sports. All those speeches, I, I think you forget that speech the first time you get hit Absolutely. really hard on a play. <laughs> a minute and a half in, the speech is over. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like that stuff has a shelf life, you know? Hey, remember when Coach said that gay shit? At I know, oh, yeah, it's fourth and one. Let's stop him. No, it's like we got to do this or he's going to yell at us. You yeah. know, it's like. Yeah, football I, and, and sports in general, I was still of the era where the, the, it was a lot of negative feedback. It was a lot of yelling and you're fucking up a lot. You know, maybe that's because I wasn't a very good athlete. I was in my head. I couldn't relax. I was too tense. But I played a lot of organized sports. You know, I was a, my, my role t-ball. was like. Did you play T-ball? Did not play T-ball. I was a bad baseball player. I fucking do. Bad baseball. baseball. Yeah, you said you, were, you could hit the ball pretty well. We should yeah. go to the batting cages tomorrow when it's 114. You know, <laughs> dude, I got my fantasy draft and then we can do that. No, I've got a I got a golf and then I'm going to work for about three or four hours afterwards because I have to sound like a goddamn insurance. Salesman. I have to, man. It's what it is, man. I got a deadline coming up, but I got a lot of outstanding items. Okay, you know? here we go, baby. We're going to fucking switch this over to some fucking coach T. But but yeah, it's um, switch it over from Martin Morrow <laughs> on a progressive commercial. <laughs> What are we going to now, Keith? What are we going to? All right, here we go. We're going to listen to Coach We're winding Taylor. down the first half here a little bit, right? There okay. you are. There oh, wait. Hold on. 
I still got wrestling on. Yeah, we can. We're we're winding down a little it's cool. bit. It's Are cool. you? Uh, I'm feeling good, but yeah, I'm in yeah. a, I'm in a good, good first half. I got good energy, you know. So this is the speech. So I'm going to set the scene for you, Crocious, and and the fans. We switched over. I'm going to do this two minute clip. Uh, the uh, Dylan Panthers are down I th- 20 points in the championship game. They're yeah. playing at old Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Oh yeah. Uh, and this is the halftime speech, dude. Is I that get, speech still around? Or uh, the speech? Is that stadium still around? I think, I must, I think so. I think it's been ripped down. It had to have been ripped down. Uh, who knows? God, what a, what a behemoth they replaced it with. What a monstrosity. Well, and I guess at the time, probably when they built it, it was probably like, what They're the fuck is it. this thing? 95,000 people can see, sit there, man. They got No, I'm mass. saying the old one. Oh, the old one was like a, that was a very hip stadium in the late 70s. Boy, Dallas, that, that stadium had some character. That had late 70s character. You know, uh, the stadiums back then were pretty generic and pretty shitty, but that, that that stadium had some character. So here's the speech. They're down. They're going into the locker room. Coach Taylor is not going to let it fucking happen. Ricky's about to cry, dude. He's pissed. Bunch of fucking pussies. He's paralyzed. He gets paralyzed. Episode well, Jason one. Street went down first game of the season. Everybody wrote us off. Everybody. <laughs> and yet here we are at the championship game. That shit has a lot. Forty thousand people out there have also written us off. There are a few out there who do still believe in you. What were you gonna say? You know, that stuff has a shelf life. When someone gets hurt or killed early in the season, by week four of the season, well, you forgot this out, about it. And then it. we'll get back to it. So the Peter Berg, when, when he was researching the TV show, he went to a random high school game, and the quarterback got fucking domed and oh, got paralyzed. God. So he based Jason Street on that fucking yeah, character. Yeah. So he's their star quarterback, like legit... Joe Montana going to go D1 to college guy, yeah, yeah. and he gets fucking spiked episode one and yeah. never walks for the rest of the show and for the and rest then, of his life. <laughs> and then uh, the backup quarterback land. and then Jason Saracen, the backup quarterback, the whole show is about him becoming the fucking dude. Yeah. Uh, but this will continue on it's their family. You'll never give up on you. You go back out on the field. Those are the people I want. In your mind. The little kid's spirit. Those are the people I want. Mama. In your hearts. <laughs> Every man at some point in his life is going to lose a battle. He's going to fight and he's going to lose. But what makes him a man is, a dick. is that in the midst of that battle, he does not lose himself. Big old dick. Yeah. This game is not over. This battle is not over. (laughs) So let's hear it one more time. Together. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go! (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Crocious, they win the game. Well, of course. Are they down like what? 21 nothing? Like 26 to 10 or something oh, like that. Oh, you can come back from that. Yeah. When you're down 35 nothing, game over. 28 nothing, game over. They do it pretty logically too. Like they go it, they the other team scores more. Like by the fourth quarter it's like 35-27 or something like yeah. that. Like they yeah. intro and then it's last play of the game. Yeah. The running back fucking earlier in the season gets popped yep. for using steroids. 
So yep. he's like coming off it. Like the whole storyline is he shouldn't be playing yeah. and he's hurt and shit. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's a good show. Absolutely. <laughs> Showing my illegal stream websites just fucking do, out in the do, open. Do, so we had to we missed, mix the time up a little bit this this week because I want to do more deliveries on a Saturday night. Hopefully. Oh, look at this is when he's quit football. So that's their star running back. Who blew his knee? Yeah. Uh, not yet. Oh, but blown. he's working because his mom, their family's all poor. You can't do it, right? Right? What's the issue? I got to look at the dairy that's queen. That's a very good question. I'm making seven seventy five an hour. Your love line is so deep. Dude, Tim Riggins is They're getting, getting a lot of high school sex, good high school sex going on. Oh, yeah. That, 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 that was a bright line. And those she, having sex in high so school, those So that's Lila Garrity. Sex. She's dating the paralyzed quarterback. But she's like, you know. Oh, no. She becomes the inflatable, a the infl- She breaks up with him. She can't handle that he's paralyzed. She doesn't like his exactly. paralyzed, limp dick. <laughs> she starts fucking Tim Riggins and their best friends. It becomes the severing point for the rest of the show. Jason Street and Tim are not fucking yep. cool. Yep. Exactly. And the show's five seasons long. Yep. Well, so hey, like, man, women will do that to you. <laughs> 16 episodes into this season, they start banging like episode eight. And then in episode 16, you find out like Jason finds out. Oh, yeah. It's an episode called like you find out. No, it might be called Nirvana because the episode starts where he finds out at the end of one episode. And then at the beginning of the next one, he goes to a, a, a CD store to buy a Nirvana CD. <laughs> And he fucking flips out in the store because they don't have the fucking Nirvana yeah. CD. He like yeah. fucking throws shelves around. Yeah. And has like his breakdown. His breakdown. Moment. Yeah. Because yeah. he's I've never done because he's all. Pa- well, if you were paralyzed then your fucking dick couldn't oh, get hard. Yeah. 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 No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't realize that was part of his character. You'd punch a CD rack. Yeah. If that happened. Know. And then if your best friend had a nice swollen veiny hard <laughs> cock and he was putting it inside of your girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that'd be disappointing. Yeah, I remember that. That'd I remember be disappointing. Yeah, yeah, that'd be disappointing. <laughs> I remember having. I mean, you know, it's when I got my heart broken, which I never cried over. Never cried. I never. I always cried about that alone. Uh, yeah, I remember being pretty frustrated though, being angry, being upset. Oh, this is season three. We got JD McCoy. That was one. So fucking season three, uh, another quarterback moves into town. This fucking kid moves his kid. To Dylan. Oh, oh, this guy moves like yeah. fucking gerrymanders his fucking kid on. Is that Michael team. Showalter? No. <laughs> and fucking JD and JD Isn't McCoy's it? a piece of shit. And he's better than Jason Saracen. He's like yeah. the best quarterback in Texas. So this whole season, it's about Saracen becoming better. And he's not better. They end up just like they make some bullshit up to get JD off the team. To make the game, to give this guy the well, opportunity no. to be a quarterback. Okay, so here's what happens. This guy ends up doing who's the coach that tackles a fucking player when he's running oh yeah yeah i remember that he happening. does that yeah. he fucking tackles uh, an he interception might do return. It to his son he yeah. might tackle jd like jd throws yeah. an interception and he like fucking choke slams him <laughs> like and w- then that, woody hayes style yeah. it goes after him <laughs> well that's when you find out that like the dad's a piece of shit and jd yeah. is actually a good kid and then yeah. for the rest of the season jd happily is backup quarterback and, and to he jason beca- yeah. saracen and yeah. he becomes like a part of the team yeah yeah exactly no, I tell you, man. Uh, you know, going to going to high school in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which was a very good basketball high school. My senior year in high school was the first losing year in forty four years. They ended up losing season below five hundred. They were 11, nine and eleven. Uh, my senior year, good they, number. They had a bad year, uh, and they were used to going to state. They had won state several times. Went to state like eight or eight or nine times in their history. Like very 
good high school basketball. Dick Bennett. Dick Bennett coached my high school. Like he was very good high school. Not when I was there. He he went to UW Stevens Point where he coached uh, Terry Porter and then went to Green Bay and then coached uh, the uh, uh, the Badgers. Very good, very good coach. My high school's basketball team was actually really good. Uh, the one bit I think the biggest player to come out of there is Joe Chapman. He played with Dwayne Wade at Marquette. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I knew his sister well. That was always a local brag. Yeah, of like friends with Joe Chapman's little sister. Yeah. Yeah, but she's I mean, like she's huge. She's like seven feet tall. Yeah, the, these kids. I mean, she was the first. Oh, she. So her and my friend Taiwan started dating Taiwan yeah. Dawson. Yeah, uh, he started. They started like middle school dating in like yeah. sixth grade. Yeah. And I remember walking in because in my middle school, the sixth grade was a different. There was like a sixth grade wing. Yeah. Like you really didn't leave that corner of the school. All yeah. of sixth grade, all your classes were in this little corner. Yeah. And I remember cutting the corner from English class to go to math class. You had to like do a U. And I remember getting to the bottom part of the U. Yeah. And I saw Taiwan and Sierra super making out. Yeah. And yeah. they were that the reason it always clicked in my head that they got together because they were the two tallest people. Yeah, yeah. In in the sixth grade class, so it was just like obviously the two tall black people are yeah. gonna end up hooking up. They were like, well, I don't think like they tongue. Up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, tongue dude, kissing. like yeah, yeah. fucking like, hard. Oh, like a black movie parody. <laughs> like it was soul child. But I remember that was the moment where I stopped and I was like. That's going to be like a thing now. Everybody's going to be doing this. Like everyone's everyone's going to find out about this. Yeah. Like sixth grade was seventh, sixth, seventh grade. That was the real breakthrough. Like that was yeah. when I saw them making that out. That was early sex. I, I immediately got tension of like, fuck, now I got to kiss girls. God <laughs> damn it, Taiwan. You set the precedent. You set the precedent, you asshole. Yeah. Mine was more. Everybody more. saw you. <laughs> but yeah, with. Uh, yeah, but, but I remember in my high school, high school basketball, like there were kid, families that moved to our district to get their kid on the team because they thought they had a better chance of maybe playing a college basketball. Dude, or Mighty Duck shit. You know, and, and like that happened, like, get your little, and there would be recruiting. Get your little cake Like there would be recruiting the they would do. Like they'd hear, oh, there's a seven-foot kid down in this one town. Let's bring him to Eau Claire and we'll work with him. We'll work with the big guy. You make him a better player. And, and like that would happen on occasion, you know. So it was like uh, and going to high school. When we played North, the, the rival – we had 2,200 kids watching a high school basketball game. I mean, that, that, that's a lot for a small gym. I mean, that, that would be – we'd play at the, at the college stadium. You know, it was a big deal. And uh, But I remember and, and doing stuff like that. People buy, trying to buy people off Curry favor. Dude, you I know, remember. The JV kids' parents wouldn't hang out with the varsity's kids' parents. There was a hierarchy and My stuff. My high school had dog shit sports. The football team was laughable. I think we went five straight years without winning a game. Ooh. Um, what what was the dominant team in your conference? Um, for basketball, it was Thornwood. They had fucking yeah. They had Eddie Curry. Yes, or Thornton. Thornton w- had was Eddie Olympia Curry. Fields in your in your uh, in your league? I don't think so. It was okay. HF, uh, Lincoln Way, home East and West. One? Yeah, um, we played HF every homecoming. That was yeah. our homecoming game. Yeah, <clears throat> they're, they're like a Antoine good Randall for- L's brother played. The yeah. homecoming game. The when I was a freshman, everybody was shitting their pants because little Randall L was, playing. and he was a totally good player too. Yeah, I he assume. was like same thing: quarterback, yeah. wide receiver, yeah. hybrid. Antoine Randall, 
single-handedly beat Wisconsin. In fo- they dropped 63 points on the Badgers. In, he went in to in HF, 2000. too. Yeah, in 2000. That was when, when Wisconsin had won back-to-back Big Ten championship games. Dude. He, I mean, he, I think he scored five touchdowns. When the Bulls I mean, drafted Eddie Curry, my dad was hammered and started crying. He was so happy. Because he just was, like, happy for him. Like, yeah. It was a him. local kid who from Thornton that's like... They didn't utilize him. I remember seeing him play early on. I was like, he would be like five of seven from the field. It's like, you should put this guy in all the time. He's completely good. But I remember... Develop him, you know? I remember looking over and being like, why are you crying? And he was just like, this is dream. This is dream. And I was just like, ugh. Yeah. He's blows. Yeah, yeah, yeah he... And he it was He's a night, he looks like a giant baby. When they played, I remember they played in the Illinois State Championship that year. And they lost to a t- they lost like New Trier who completely like systemed and whited them. New Trier was good. You know yeah. who else was good? They weren't in our place, but so I remember the one year New I got was super good, good into high school basketball. It was the year after Joe Chapman left. It might have yeah. been my sophomore year. Yeah, and I remember I watched Westinghouse play some other team, but Ooh, Westinghouse. House. Yeah, House. Westinghouse was where Mark Aguirre went and Eddie dude, Johnson, you know? Yeah, House this was, was good. was 19, maybe the year 2000, 2001, yeah. 2002, Westinghouse yes. was powerful. Yeah, yeah, there were some good and high school basketball. I remember Chicago. that, what, Very I, good I forget what team it was, they beat Westinghouse, and I remember me and my dad watched the fucking game. Yeah. They played it in Bradley, at the Bradley Oh, yeah, 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 down in Bourbonnet? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember, like, my dad was giving, he was like, dude, Westinghouse is awesome. He kept saying the whole the whole game, he kept yeah. saying, Westinghouse is awesome. Yeah. They're, and then he was telling me about, like, all the past Westinghouse teams. Oh, yeah, Westinghouse They're in named the after 70s. a goddamn power company. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, God, if you ever go to you know, the Westinghouse factory, the old, the old abandoned factory, like, it's like on... I don't know. Third, I'm gonna try and first find street. that game. I, I think that that. I, God, what street is that on? And I remember like sometimes I would just take an urban tour in Chicago and go to the old industrial areas on the south side and just kind of walk around them because they were so fun. Westinghouse was a massive company. I'm not lying. It was like seven city blocks. It had an A building, a B building, a C building, a D building, and like an E building. It was a massive company. that They were the main competition, I think, for General Electric for many years. And they eventually, I think, just got kind of bought off and siphoned off and their affiliates got bought and, and they abandoned. But you, you looked at one time in that neighborhood, you saw all the housing stock around there. Every single person worked at Westinghouse. I'm sure that that horn rang and people came out of their house and they walked to work to do their shift. You know, and, and that probably went on for 50, 60 years. You know, it was a, and it was abandoned now. It was just an interesting building. Dude, that Westinghouse be, I got out, dude, if I can find this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's good. The high school basketball in Chicago is good. I'd watch a high school game on TV. I'm trying to see often, if I could but, but find the house. Eddie Johnson played there, and I think Mark Aguirre played there. And a couple other guys, too. Like Definitely guys who played at Illinois in the early 80s uh, went to Westinghouse. The fact that, again, Illinois has bad college basketball is just... That's what it was. ...is, is just inexcusable. 99-2000, uh, West Aurora High School beat Westinghouse 60-57. Oh, yeah. to 57. That was fucking huge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember my dad, like, we were, like, we jumped up in the air. Yeah. He hyped me up the whole game. Like, yeah. going into it, I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. And then by halftime, he got me hating Westinghouse. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was just telling me about how, like, they're fucking the Yankees. They're awesome. Yeah. They're awesome. And then as the game's going on, like, 
West Aurora's in it. And then I knew I liked Aurora West because Wayne's World, too. I was yeah. like, they're fucking Wayne's World. That's yep. where Wayne's World is at. Yep. Uh, and then when it came down to like a three sec, I think they won it with like a jumper. Yeah. And by the end of it, I was like a fan of Aurora West High yeah. School. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know what else was good? Who was it? Peoria. Peoria was always good back then, yeah. too. Was it Peoria East? Peoria's a dump. It's one of those classic, like, Midwestern towns of, like, 100,000, 150,000 people, like a Kenosha. You know what I always like hated? Like a Racine, like and a I Cedar still Rapids. Hate this. I hate the like one, I hate the A and 1A and double A bullshit. Yeah, just have them all play in the just same Just have thing. them all play in the same tournament. Who gives a fuck if your little small-ass basketball team gets fucking trounced? <laughs> uh, Some of those North Shore teams were good. They, they had good system teams. So know? then Schaumburg beat Thornwood, and that was Eddie Curry played in that one in 2000, 2001. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, Westinghouse fucking won again. Yep. What's it present? I, th- I think currently my high school basketball team is good again. Yeah, they like, but they don't play in the city public. Where did they you play. go again? I'm sorry. Yeah, Bloom t- Trail. Yeah, you always said it before. Exactly. Bloom Township. It was called. They shared high school. Called BT. So it used to just be Bloom High School. Bloom High School is in Chicago Heights proper. Yeah. <clears throat> and then. I think I forget what year, but it was my by the time my dad was a senior, they created Bloom Trail because yeah. Bloom had become so overcrowded yeah. that they needed a separate school. And for a, for most of the like beginning, it was a completely separate school. Yeah, it was the Bloom Trojans and the Bloom Trail Blazers. Yeah. So for my dad's senior year, he some people would do half the school day at Bloom and then they yeah. would go to Bloom Trail. But my dad's entire senior year was at Bloom Trail. Like, he played for the Blazers and everything. When did he graduate <clears> from high school? <throat> 70s. I don't know what year Like 77, 78? He was born in 1960, so yeah, probably so 78. 78. Wow. Wow. Yeah, such a... I mean, being a kid in the 70s... Anyway, yeah. Yeah, and then at some point, they combined, and it became Bloom Township, and it was yep. one school, <clears throat> and then they would share, like... It was all one team, but, like... The football team played at Bloom Trail. And yeah. the baseball team played at Bloom. And the basketball team played at Bloom. Yeah. Uh yeah. But like we so the and then the, it was the Bloom Trojans, and then they combined them and became the Blazin Trojans. The, bla- <laughs> the, the most disgusting. The Blazin Trojans. I'm blazing a Trojan with you, lady. Fuck yeah. And on that note, first half is yeah. now wound down. We'll wind like it the down. first half of Friday Night Lights. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll see you here in a little bit. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. All right. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back. We have a second half. This is Buddy Garrity, this guy right here. He's one of the high school boosters. He's fucking Lila Garrity's dad. Yep. And he like fucking, he's up coach's ass constantly. He's the character where like anytime... Coach makes a fucking move in the game. Buddy's in there the next day of like. So why'd you do a I draw play? I noticed you pulled the mock linebacker back. Yep. yep. And like the whole kind of first season is Coach Taylor like asserting himself amongst those people. Like they basically try and do his job for him. Yeah. Yeah. Is it his first year coaching there? I don't know, but uh, it's possibly. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. takes over for the longtime for the coach. the legend coach, yeah. He was like the assistant. I don't know. He might be in over his head. Oh, hey, listen, man. I mean, uh, fo- <laughs> following a legend, following a legend is impossible. When, when, uh, when uh, what's his face from UCLA? John Wooden retired. 
Remember Al McGuire said they won't win another championship the rest of the century, but they won one in 95. They won their last one of their dynasty in 75, and then they won uh, one in 95. Well, season two, I don't know if it's the – it might be the end of two. So at at the end of season two, Coach Taylor – I forget if it's one or two, but at the end of one of the early seasons, Coach Taylor gets a job being the quarterback's coach at a college. And he like yeah. takes it. It might be season two because he leaves the team. Oh, he does. Yeah. And then there's a few episodes of him as the college coach, the quarterback coach. And then he finds out that the team is like a mess and he, all these personal problems are happening yep. with the players. So he like quits his big fancy college job to come back to come back to high school. And that plants the seeds for that's Tammy Taylor. That's his wife. That's Connie Brighton. She's the yeah. shit. Uh She's like football mom. She's basically yeah. like, I support my husband. Yeah. When they move, she needs to move. She's always changing jobs for him. Yep. Yep. And the very last season is season five. The storyline of season five, they split the fucking, they bring back East Dillon, which is the black school. Yeah. So they basically split the sports team. There's no more just Dillon Panthers. Oh. It's East Dillon and West Dillon. And Coach Taylor gets, becomes the coach of the East Dillon Lions. And it's like, that's where Michael B. Jordan is in season five of this show. Oh, yeah. That was the first, after he was Wallace and fucking The Wire, he does season five. And it's about him and like race in the city. Like he becomes the fucking coach of the yeah. fucking black school. There's another powerful moment in that season where they're dog shit. Like yeah. they basically create a football team from scratch. Like yeah. the first episode, I don't even think they're playing in matching uniforms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then after the second episode, they get their asses fucking whipped, but they like score a touchdown. Yeah. And at the end of the fucking game, they're all sitting there hyped up because they're doing a little better and fucking Taylor takes out the chalkboard and he just writes state on the thing and walks away. And they all stare. Plants the seed, like, man. Oh. We're gonna go to state sometime. Yeah. Oh, they hey. win it at the end of that season. They like have a fluke year. I, I can tell you, you know, with uh, I think about that, you know, like in high school sports in Wisconsin, they took them state and state and in, in, in hockey, state and football, and state and basketball were big. They were big in Wisconsin. And I remember like our, our our high school hockey team went to state when I was in college, and I went and saw them play. I'll never forget. I. Uh, I had a seat empty behind me. I went to see him at the Dane County Coliseum, which is where the Badgers used to play. Yeah. Because the, the Cleveland hockey Dane, team was... The Ron Dane County. No, no. How magic was that, though? In Dane County, the best running back was, was Ron, Ron Dane. Dane. I, oh, dude. I, he knows where his bread is buttered. I mean, he is a spokesperson for the how football many, program. How he, many, makes, he makes a lot of money. How many that, slogans were they, it is Dane County? Yeah, exactly. It's Dane. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Great Dane, like the Great Dane Brewery. You know, D. It's D A N E. His name was D A Y N E, but it was Dane, obviously. So I mean, he is a name. He is a name in Madison. So I mean, he's for until Ricky Williams was the NCAA all single season leader. Right, well, right? I think I think he broke Ricky Williams' record. Okay. I think he I think he might still have it. Uh, and, and and you know, I don't know why. If you're your junior year, sophomore year, and you can go to the pros, he'll do it if you're good enough. You know, back then people actually stayed all. See, four that years. always confused me because when I was younger and Ricky Williams broke that record, and they were like the all time leading. I didn't realize that was just single season. Who's that? Isn't Dorsett? No, no, it was cumulative. It was cumulative. Okay. It, it was, uh, I don't know how many yards and it then, And then Dane. Dorsett, Dorsett, I think, yeah, I think Dorsett was the all time. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. beat, didn't Ricky Williams beat Tony Dorsett's record? I think, I think it's that because 
it was going to be Herschel Walker, but Herschel Walker left for a senior year to go play for the New Jersey Generals, then owned by Don Trump, of course, and then now as a spokesperson at the RNC. One of the things that bothers me so much, people talk about Donald Trump. He reminded me a bit of yep. uh, Bubba from, from Boris Gump. So when right they call now, him a racist, he is still, not a racist. Ron Dane, still number one, 7,125 yeah. yards. Ricky Williams. They would had, run him 50 times a game sometimes. He had 2,000 yards every year he yeah, played, I mean, right? Yeah, we had like 1,800, like 2,100 or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a legend. And it was I got disappointed that he was just a mediocre pro. He played seven years in the he NFL. Got beat to death in college. Yeah, you know, but no. Also, he wasn't f- quite fast enough. He was fat too. He was wasn't. He actually lost weight, but he played seven years. Seven years is a perfect perfect length of a career. For so check back. this out. For some fucking weird reason, I was a big UCLA Bruins fan when they had Caden McNown. Yeah, and I remember being furious. That when Wisconsin, Wisconsin beat them. They fucking beat the shit well, I mean, out of the Bruins. Well, the Bruins couldn't stop anyone running. So, I mean, you know, the Bruins were number one in the country. Went on the road to Miami, Florida last game of the season, and Edgerton James ran for 340 yards on The him. edge. And so it's like, of course, they're not going to be able to stop Wisconsin. And Wisconsin also, I think I knew, also, I think I had a feeling that the Bears were going to draft Cade McNown. <laughs> Like I just kind of had he a was feeling. One of, the, one of the just when we had that episode, we went through all the bad quarterbacks. Cade McDowell was a bad well, quarterback, weak armed quarterback in Holmes. training camp. That was the one quarterback where everyone knew right away. Day one of training camp, the stories were, <sighs> yeah, not good. He's enough. not. He does not have it. Yeah, even Trubisky has the measurable still. You know, he's got even uh, when they named him the starter. They finally they were saying they were like it's. The knock against Trubisky has never been his physical tools. It's all mental with him. Yeah, it's can he yeah. can he string together an entire season? Yep. God, you know I played golf yesterday and I hadn't played in about I played at a par three, Los Feliz three, which is hilarious. The course is tiny. It is a teeny tiny course. Played a long course and had a I had a nine on the first hole. I had a nine. My drive was terrible yesterday. Yeah. You know I, I was but stringing together the thing you said. Stringing together good play after good play after good play. That's a golf stringing good shot after good shot. Well, after like good I shot. texted, you got to string them together, and that ain't easy. Well, and I you felt, might hit two in a row, and you'll be on the green. Well, and there's reasons to feel good and not so good. So, the consensus is he had a really good camp. Yeah, but he's had a good camp every year. He's been a pro. Well, yeah. Is this, is this his fourth? This will be the beginning of his fourth year. That's it. But this is it. Cordero Patterson specifically, and a couple other players, Mensa member have Cordero said, Patterson. They said he looks like a completely different player this year. Yeah. Um. And Nagy said, as far as coverages go, he even said because they were like, "Is he a master of coverages yet?" And he goes, maybe that was a little bit of a strong word at the time. He yeah. was like, there's only, he goes, honestly, there's two or three masters of coverage in yeah. the NFL. Like, yeah. it's a little unfair to ask him to be yeah. Aaron Rodgers good or, right yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, Aaron yeah. Rodgers throws four interceptions his whole career yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's, Although, that's a good test of reading defenses, of like, if when you're not throwing a lot of picks. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. And, gun, and gunslingers, no, also, gunslingers like Mahomes and Favre, they make it seem like they're reading the field, but it's like, no, they have cannons. They can just yeah. fit balls. They can thread the needle. So, like, they take risks. Yeah. But I'll, true reading a defense is like Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. So, he was like, maybe. Sure breeze is in that category. But they said they were like, he's 100% better at everything they basically said he's done everything we asked him to do and when they listed the reasons why they picked him over Foles, that was a big part of it of leadership the team loves him 
Yeah. Like it would really fuck up the locker room, I think, yeah. to name Foles. Because I think the team was kind of pissed that they traded for Foles. Yeah. And then they said his progression, what we've seen so far, he's done. It would be unfair. He's done everything we asked him to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think people were a little disappointed that Foles wasn't better because they basically said it was a tie goes to Trubisky situation. Yeah. And I think people who hated Trubisky wanted Nick Foles to just blow like... Well, oh, uh, Nick Foles is just by far the better quarterback. Uh, they brought Nick Foles in to light a fire under Trubisky's yeah. ass because they also know Foles is good enough to be a D. He's won enough in the league, won a Super Bowl. For and it seems like at this point, there's two different camps. There's the side I'm on that's excited that it's yeah. made Mitch a better player, and then there's the side who are like, yeah. "Well, why the fuck did you even trade for him anyway?" If you were just going to trade for him and then you named Trubisky the starter, like they're all mad that like... In the NFL, listen, you'll forget in two years if Foles was even the backup. You know what I mean? But it's now, just, of course, the story is, well, this doesn't mean that he's going to play all year. They're well, already yeah, I mean, planting yeah, the seeds. Well, I don't know if the season's going to let Like the it, one you know? article just, I read today, they were like, just because Mitch got picked does not mean he's like... The quarterback battle is far from over. Or it's like, <laughs> is, is it right. Mike North? Yeah, let me tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> they're basically making it seem like the first incomplete pass, he's getting yanked <laughs> and they're putting foals in. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I can tell you this much. You know, Cousins, uh, who's a boring face for a franchise, very milquetoast Minnesota, very smart of them to have that, very, very Minnesota to have him. Uh, I will say, I give him a little credit from last year. The first four weeks, I was really down on him. When they lost to the Bears in Soldier Field, I was just like, Jesus, he was so fucking bad. And I was like, this guy, but you know something? He kind of turned a corner. Or he became a better quarterback after that. I feel like he, he toughened up a little bit and, and actually took a few more chances. The problem with him is between <laughs> the years. I mean, he, he segments his life on an Excel spreadsheet in 10-minute segments. Also, in 10-minute segments, Keith. Every 10 minutes is accounted for That's day. like some fucking who Mark fucking, Wahlberg yeah, shit. Who, li- who lives that way? Wahlberg man. is how he lives. Yeah, it's... Yeah. You know what also I heard? A little magic might have rubbed off. Apparently, Trubisky worked out with the same private quarterback coach that Mahomes and all the other great quarterbacks do. Yeah. Like Brady, Mahomes, and all the dude, they use one. This quarterback whisperer yeah. who's just like, it's like knows. a private yeah. quarterback coach. And I, I guess believe that. during quarantine, Trubisky worked with him at a, at a local high school yeah. near Chicago. Also, through digging through this offseason, I found out that Trubisky lives in North Carolina still. Yeah, I believe, I believe that. He yeah. was quarantined in Chicago. But he's a North Carolina boy. Well, he's from Cleveland he's from originally. Mentor Ohio. Yeah, he's from Ohio originally, exactly. But I think I think North Carolina, that's a big destination point for a lot of people. It's a lower tax state, lower regulation. The Republican Party is evil down there. It's is evil. It? It's completely ruthless. You know, they've got thirteen House seats, you know, ten are Republican. It should not be that way. It should be like you know, it should be like, you know, seven Republicans, six Democrats. I mean, well, that's th- what, they've done that across the entire country. You hear dudes you know? like Rogan and all like the libertarian podcasters. Their big gripe right now is <clears throat> and they try and make it sound philosophical where they go. How come cities are always blue, man? Even in red states, cities are always blue. I've been thinking about that lately. Wow, you're deep. And then so they're they're trying to go on this whole thing about like we need to make it half and half. It's ridiculous that cities are just. <laughs> but then on the flip side, like you just said, small North Carolina, they're just like 
they flip it the other way. The small towns have 10 fucking Republican seats versus three Democrats. Well, it's because well, it, they've gerrymandered the congressional districts and then the congressional district, they've gerrymandered the House districts and the House, the, like the uh, state, state House, state Senate, they, they draw the boundaries for the for the U.S. House of Representatives. So they gerrymander it that way. And that's been a 25-year play that they had. That's why it was such a big deal. The Democrats flipped the House during the midterms because they're so gerrymandered. The fact that they won 40 seats is actually pretty amazing, you know, So because that's because women turned out and voted so that's actually one of the signs that actually it doesn't bode Plus, well for trump i but think I don't people know. hear the word city and they just think chicago new york la minneapolis you know or, 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 or san francisco i mean whatever there's because i heard someone say they were like there's no republican cities and i was just like san diego san diego has a republican mayor. Uh, yeah i would think that uh some of the texas cities you know probably are, are going to be more obviously more conservative but you know all Democrat, yeah, but you know, most now they're not all all Most big cities are Democratic, well, even in, even in red states like Charlotte's probably a Democratic the, city. The fact is, the reason why that happens is when you get. I mean, I think Phoenix is becoming more Democratic, and and Arizona's becoming more Democratic because there's more people be, living there. <clears throat> when you have more people, that calls for a central authority. If you want to look at happens. it from a weird DMT mindset thing, I would almost say that mindset just is attracted to a city it's not that city it's just cities lord democratic type that type of person who who want to share stuff and live with people yeah like people who want to live alone are generally a conservative person who's afraid <laughs> to fucking speak to people and p democrats are generally people who i think it's tight that i have 40 people in my building and yeah, like there's yeah. a like they it's just what it is. Yeah. Right. Well, the fact is, when I mean, when you get more people, they're going to move somewhere potentially for economic opportunity. That's why you go to a city. Yes, the taxes are higher, but certain opportunities are going to be there that aren't in rural or smaller areas. So you're going to end up there. And when there's more people living somewhere, it calls out for a central authority. You need to organize some schools. You need to have you organized to or transportation. You need to organize the crime. Get you know, the mafia in well, there. You, there's certain organizational things that have to happen, oh, and the central authority is Merta. part of that. You know? Oh, Merta. Look, <laughs> Costa Nostra. I, I, there's no doubt about it, man. I mean, the, the mob is alive and well. We, hey, we have an organized crime syndicate in the White House buddy, right now, you know, so, which is crazy. The thing on the mob, though, is just the actual murder of it. Say what you want. It's not sloppy. Oh, oh, no, there. I mean, I would almost argue let's organize the street gangs a little more. I think you're denying evolution by saying, like, we need to wipe out gangs. People are going to form gangs, man. It's let's make it a fucking machine. Yeah. Like the mob. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Listen, let's put some organ. Let's put some corporations behind it. It, it is. Uh, there's no I mean, if you're running a city. I know the uh, young daily was the first mayor to not openly deal with the mafia. You had to openly deal with the mafia in Chicago until 1992. You'd, I mean, the first, the first ward alderman was Fred Rohde for a long time. He was made, he was a made member of the mafia. The first ward was the loop. Very important. That's really the why they took Very away. Important. That's really why they took away Mig's field. That's where they buried everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that and when they did the excavation for the new Comiskey, Under but, the but, strip but, at Migs. But, but, but the, you know that while they were building new Comiskey, there was a drive. Oh. There was a drive-by shooting. My dad said every time we went to the park, he was like, "I'm pretty sure there's three bullet holes in the facade above." He goes, "Cause when it happened, he goes, it happened when we just put the precast on when we were putting yeah. like the." P 
pieces of the stadium on. Yeah. He goes, we didn't fix them. Yeah. He goes, three yeah. stray bullets went into the stadium. We came to work. There were three bullet holes. Oh, he goes, we thought it was cool. We didn't fix it. Yeah. He goes, yeah. they might have fixed it eventually. He goes, yeah. but I'm pretty sure they're still yeah. there. Yeah. It was. Well, I mean, they found like it was a boneyard. I mean, all that all those mob trials in Chicago, that area was a graveyard. I think literally it was like a dumping ground. There were hundreds of bodies down there from decades of, of oh like i've off. said through life and multiple times on this episode if you drain the chicago river oh it'll it, just be it's gonna be skeletons with man. bloated drunks who just <laughs> fell into the river and, and, and like cement boots and a skeleton you know what i mean yeah. oh, absolutely man i mean it's i'm sure it is and i mean anytime i hear the phrase man-made river i'm just like oh they built that to kill people <laughs> But it just, you know, but but they but they changed the course of that river so that it wouldn't go out in the, <laughs> into Lake Michigan, so it'll go downstream. So all the debris and waste we don't goes want downstream. The ends to get the water. You know, we we have we, and also people downstream, I'm sure, who live 60, 80, 100 miles down. Downstream all these is never good. Downwind, downstream, <laughs> it's never fun. You don't yeah. want to live down anything. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> you're not in the right neighborhood. You know. Yeah. I, you know, always wonder that is that is there a systematic thing behind that? She would probably know about how bad neighborhoods are always in the south, south side. Not necessarily, you, you so know, like, Milwaukee, the south side of Milwaukee, or west, south and west. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, Pigtown, Dodger, old Brooklyn, Ugh. Brooklyn, the Ebbets Field was then Pigtown. Well, I mean, I, I know with um, in Chicago, when I worked for the city, we had a program there called Tax Reactivation Program. It was basically people who didn't pay their taxes on their properties. The city would eventually take it over. You know, they wouldn't pay their real estate taxes. And they would just, you know, basically you know, like through uh, through um, not, not entitlement, whatever. They would just they'd take it over through uh through whatever policy they would do, whatever tool they would use. And, um, you know, they had 12,000 lots. Well, 90% of them failed like phase one environmental reports. They had benzene, PCBs, you know, cancer-causing chemicals. They were trying to get a grant from the government. It was going to cost them a billion dollars 15 years ago to clean the soil. <laughs> that's 15 Jesus. years ago. That'd be like $2.5 billion now. But, I mean, that's part of the thing. Like, if Biden were to get in, and one of the things, one of the ideas Trump had that, of course, went nowhere was the the infrastructure plan the country needs an infrastructure up uh, uplift that's another thing i've seen in his game too that i mentioned to her everything he's he is the greatest thing that's ever happened to anything (laughs) well of course yeah anything they bring up well i've done more for this group than anything well yeah for blacks i've done more for blacks i've done more for gays i've done more for the economy than anybody else i've done more for that even when they bring up clear-cut failures yeah he'll preface being like he'll go well yes that failed but nobody's done more for those people than me it, it, it is again it, it's that ripple effect of that's the po- business person uh, uh, yeah of the power of positive thinking too you, you you don't have any time for a negative thought there's this you're always going so forward. i showed her the movie she's out of control from 1989 the tony danza starring she's out of control where it's about a movie where people want to fuck his 15 year old daughter exactly yeah yeah she, he, she basically the way, hits, hits puberty as a kid a i didn't realize she was 15 and a good thing i didn't read it as them wanting to fuck her like i told her when there's a scene where she's at so it's like a 
early She's All That for people who've never seen She's yes. Out of Control. Tony Danza is a, the head of a radio station. He sees her coming out of, out and of the... And his nerd daughter gets hot. Like, he goes away on a yeah. trip, and the girlfriend, it's the mom from Seventh Heaven, she takes the girl to the mall, and, like, she gets hot, basically. Yeah. They remove her braces prematurely, which is not cool. Yep. Uh, so he comes back, realizes his girl's hot, but then there's this scene where they go to the beach, and every single fucking guy is saying hi to her and looking at her yeah and it's clear that they want to bang this 15 year old yeah or that they not that they but they don't know that she's 15 yeah. that's the point yeah. she's yeah. so beautiful now bow, bow. they think she's <laughs> an, yeah they that song they think from she's you. an adult bow, bow. <laughs> as a kid i didn't read it that way yeah i read it as oh they th- like they know her and they think like it's just a drastic look change. Like if you knew a girl oh. who was a dork yeah. and she was not a dork one day, you would be like, oh, hey, yeah. like that's how I read it. Seeing that movie yeah. is like a like, oh, they like know she's pretty now and they like think yeah. she's pretty. Like yeah. I never saw it as like, oh, they want to fuck that. Girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. And I knew about fucking when I saw that movie. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't see it in 89. Yeah. You saw it in the mid 90s. Like 94 yeah. or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. No, 92, 93. Yeah. Like when me, my, you had seen a uh, sliver or you'd seen basic instinct. My mom would show that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I had seen, which the, is a preposterous movie. Also, Paul Verhoeven didn't tell her he shot her pussy because there's a scene where she opens up her legs and she yeah. doesn't have underwear. Yeah. And it was in the script and she didn't want to do it. She's going to use your feminine. She said, can we just do something head? where, you know, I spread my legs and just by their reaction, you know what they see. So he tells her, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. And then he shoots her vagina and she didn't know until she saw the movie. Was it, oh, and was she livid? Of course. She, I, I think to this day she, yeah, did, she doesn't talk to him. Yeah. She didn't do the sequel because of the, yeah. she might've done the sequel, but I don't even know. But at the time she said like, yeah, I was furious. But then I guess she was like, he explained it to me. Like Paul, she did Ooh, that like art. <laughs> she did that like auteur, like yeah. he, he knows what he wants type of thing. Plus, the movie made money, so she didn't. Of course, give a fuck. that helped made her career, man. I mean, she was yeah. a fucking star. Like early mid, she parlayed that into Casino. Also, Casino was her high water. That's mark. a hack for anybody who ever sees and or is tempted by any issue of Playboy that says Sharon Stone inside. It's just her pussy picture from Basic Instinct. <laughs> Still trying Stone, to cash into that eight years Sharon later. Sharon Stone has see Sharon Stone's beef. I don't know? think Sharon Stone has ever posed for Playboy. Yeah, you're probably right. But they, yeah. <laughs> but there are issues of Playboy that are like Sharon Stone naked, and it's always <laughs> sh- picture because she's butt ass naked in Basic Instinct. Yeah, they well, show her boobs, butt, and the vat. It's also like her. She's so she has her lesbian affairs. Also, you know, and- <laughs> I think we might have. We need to do a viewing viewing of it because I think we've watched it while we fucking. But uh, is that is that mom the woman on the left? Was she in Tombstone? Possibly. She she was the love. She was the wife of uh, Wyatt Earp of a uh, Kurt Russell's character. She was also in Fletch. Connie she Brighton. In Fletch? Oh my lord! Oh wow. Yeah, this uh, is a- but uh, Basic Instinct is also one of the first movies where uh, that's Tyra. She's like the whore of the school, but then she becomes smart throughout. The- she ends up going to UT Austin. Oh, yeah. Lines. That's how they write her off the show. She ends up banging Landry, the nerd guy. But like that's her journey. She starts out like organizing total, TNA total shows. whole slut bag. And yeah. then like she becomes more involved with school. Once uh, Coach's wife becomes yeah, principal, she got of the cast school. for a reason. Yeah. So that's Coach's wife. She is now principal of Dylan High. Yeah, and she fucking snaps fucking Tyra into shape. 
she there's that moment where like she's like Tyra, what about college? And Tyra's yeah. like, well, I've never thought about college. A the day light in my goes life. off. Yeah, and then she ends up going to one of the best colleges in the country. Yeah, Texas. But is a good she school. ends up going as like a Rudy type thing, where like she gets in, but then there's like a whole episode about her not wanting to go because I can't pay for it. What's gonna happen? <laughs> are we are we doing Simple Jack right now from Tropic Thunder? He's Dude, in heaven. <laughs> Tyra, Tyra Collette. Whoa! There I love go. you, Tyra. That's there the go. old nerd Landry. That's one of the last things he says to her, because <laughs> they kind of it's like one of the. I think season three they hook up. She just like hooks up with him for a goof. It's clearly just like, oh yeah, well, let's hook up. <laughs> hook up with a nerd. But then they like secretly date, and then he finally, I love you, Tyra. <laughs> when she goes to college, yeah. But they, but she's like, sorry, and then Lee has a tear in her eye. Yeah, I, I didn't watch any of this. You obviously watched. This is a one lot of my of favorite this. shows of all time. Wow. I've seen Man, every single fucking episode. Wow, I, I, I had no idea. I watched the movie. I saw the movie, you know. So let's see. Billy Bob Thornton was in. <clears throat> she was in, not in Fletch at all. Oh, the mom? How about the mom? No, the mom. Oh, Connie I, I was Brighton? Wrong. Oh, I'm wrong. I, I, no, I, I just, it's my old man projection. No, her first movie was 95. Yeah. The yeah, Brothers so. McMullen. Oh, was that a... Uh, Ed fucking uh, uh, Burns. Ed Burns. That movie's terrible. Ed Burns and Kevin and Kevin Smith were like the shit in the early 90s. Well, mid-90s. Yeah, they, they had a few movies. Like, yeah, that movie was... Because the a- Brothers McMullen went up against Chasing Amy, I think. And that, well, I know Brothers McMullen, too, that guy, he was obviously in uh, Saving Private Ryan. You know, he was like a... It's a bad movie. Yeah. But like independent film was making a name for itself by the mid nineties, man. Oh yeah, I always you forget know? she plays the wife of Billy Bob Thornton in the movie too. In uh, in Friday Night Lights. The oh movie. okay. See, that's what I. It's shocking that I got into this show. She's like radar. You know, when I was younger, I when that when younger when the movie Friday Night Lights came out, I hated it. It's one of those movies where I just hated on it without seeing it. Yeah, I was yeah. just like this fucking dumb any yeah, given course, Sunday bullshit. Yeah. Like, well, any given Sunday is unwatchably shitty. But it's Oliver Stone or his most heavy hand. All my the football movies I'd seen, even f- like Wildcats and yeah. fucking uh, North Dallas Forty. That North movie, Dallas Forty's that funny. Movie stinks. It's dated, but it's good. So I was always let down by. Even the ones I liked, Waterboy, yeah. Longest Yard, the remake of, they're all comedies. Like there was never, so when Friday, and then Any Given Sunday was the first serious one. And then The Replacements is a comedy. Ugh, any but, Given Sunday. So garbage. I went into Friday Night Lights of just like, I'm not going to watch this bullshit. I know what it is. The team's not, yeah. not going to win and then they win. That's yeah. essentially the fucking long and short of it. Yeah, exactly. The team sucks. Now they don't suck. One of the kids has problems. Yeah. You like it. I've been there. Exactly. Also, I hate Billy Bob Thornton, so I <laughs> kind of refuse to see most things he's in. I, I, sling, it was he's Sling a, Blade. He's a jag-off. <laughs> he married Angelina for four years, this man. This cocksucker. You remember, remember his, like, his solo singing career? Angelina. They say we Dude, never make that's it. That's well, yeah. why I hate his guts, and I'm sure he's a nice guy. And he's even kind of apologized for this, but he went on this guy's radio show with his garbage fucking band. What were they called? Like fucking two steps to the left or rotating something? melons or some fucking <laughs> was bullshit? it as bad as Russell Crowe's four non grunts? Yeah, or it was something like that. <laughs> it's definitely called something like fucking God four God. four hilljack fuckers. Yeah, there you go. That's right. Like the, I was off. I don't. I've never listened to a note, but I'm not going to listen because he describes it as 
psychopathic hillbilly rock and roll psycho billy <laughs> like get the fuck out of here dude what are you the cramps sling blade <laughs> fucking That's go hilarious. fucking eat french fried mashed potatoes. i hate that when actors are in bands like that i hate Ugh. it you know who you know, keanu reeves i, I know I, I had a roommate this guy gets a quick story roommate 1995 before i first moved to la when i got into grad school I deferred for two years. I was like, I'm going to live in L.A. and do stand-up. My roommate at the time was a woman named Melissa. Melissa Nesbaum was her name. Had a weird relationship with her. Uh, she was a dog star, the Keanu Reeves band where he played bass. She was like, yeah, I really want to see this band, Adam. I mean, can, can you drop me off at Park West? And I, I was like, okay. Keanu. I didn't know who it was. I'm driving over there. Well, who's the band? Ooh, it's Dogstar. I was like, you're seeing Keanu Reeves' band? I was 26 <laughs> years old. And she was just like, yes. I mean, because, I mean, he, she, I mean, the crowd was like 75% women, of course. Oh, absolutely. Because Keanu Reeves was a heartthrob, was a heartthrob. Now, throb. I will even say this. You know? Billy Bob Thornton is a talented musician. His music might be great. Yeah. But I'm not listening to it. So he goes yeah. on this radio show. And the with guy, four non-grunt psychobillies. With whatever the fuck, yeah. <laughs> and the guy just asks. He leads the... And now, you're about to interview Billy Bob Thornton and his band. Yeah. Yeah. How would you get... the Logically, the first thing you would say is, man, being such a big celebrity, people wouldn't think that your band is so good. Yeah. Billy Bob Thornton. All of a sudden... Two seconds into the interview, he basically asked that, like, names all the movies. This movie, yeah. that movie. Sling Blade. I've been, yeah. like, Armageddon. Like, yeah. who would have thought that you've, you'd be here talking yeah. about great music? And every time he mentioned a movie, Billy Bob would go, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't. Because he was there just to discuss music, man. So oh, then God. the guy goes, like, he si the d interviewer so kind of sidesteps it. And he keeps asking him other questions and Billy Bob's answer to every question is, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. So then the guy just goes, wait a second. He goes, why did I do something wrong? And he was just like, yeah, you fucking did something wrong. Like <sighs> we're not coming here. He says this. Would you ask Tom Petty about his acting career? Well, are you well, comparing yourself to Tom, Tom Pe fucking Petty? I know. I know. Like an American legend. And the guy, the radio, he goes, he goes, you're Billy Bob Thornton. You're like one of the, he goes, why wouldn't you think that I would get into this interview? Yeah. Yeah. By me. He, and he goes, how would you expect me to start this interview? He <laughs> Did goes, he say it to him? He goes, I'm asking you. Oh, good friend. He, 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 goes, a bit. he goes, I'm not trying to, he goes, I want to do this. He goes, but how would you have liked me to, yeah. and they ended up doing it and ended up being cool. Like he became cool halfway through he it. Kind of warmed up a little bit. But yeah. at first it was just like, like he basically eventually like. Stop being pissed and was just like, yeah, I just don't go with it. He basically said, I just don't like that. People assume that like he in his head, I think that when people start with the movies, they're like, D they don't want to talk about the music. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Also, I think and he the radio host didn't know this. I think he told like the producers don't ask about my movies. Oh, oh okay, so when okay. he asked him, it was kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah, man, you didn't communicate. That, but that's a poorly run show. Would you ask Tom Petty about his movie? Well, first of all, Tom Petty's not an actor. Yeah, did he ever have so, a... Yeah, I, I was like, was he even a cameo If Tom Petty something? was Sling Blade, yes, I would ask him about his fucking <laughs> acting career. Exactly. Even the losers! Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to fucking... Because you play under pressure with your fucking retarded brother in a <laughs> oh, band. Oh, God. He played, that's a song he played. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, actors, another thing I don't like too, although they've done a better job with this. 
the athlete turned actor, which we've touched on a few times on this show. There's so many athletes. You think of The Rock as being that, even though he was a professional wrestler. He's one of the guys that kind of followed through on that. Fred Dreyer, you know? Uh, uh, Matuzak. Matuzak. It's, and, and it seems like football players. Lyle Alzado had a Didn't little Matuzak career. did Matuzak wrestle, too? Uh, uh, I think he probably did. Uh, he was also in a... Uh, they also Ernie Ladd. B- B- Brian Bosworth had a, had a straight-to-video career. You know, a lot of that the Boz did. There's no way the Boz wasn't in Miami Vice. Uh, he had to be in an episode or two. He was a phenomenon. But then they started testing for steroids. He and Tony Mandrich's career, they went downhill. Oh, absolutely. Well, Mandrich kind of had a good couple well, of years. Well, he had to come back with, with, with the Colts. People don't realize that about Mandrich. He actually had like four productive years with the Colts. He played eight years in the league. He was a junkie and playing football, which is crazy. I mean, he, I think he was, sh- he was shooting up, not smack, but uh, like a... Meth or some uh, yeah, yeah, shit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, it was a... Hardcore kind of amphetamine, uh, you know, uh, whatever. I, I don't know what it was, but but I know he, he was he was messing with needles. It's like that's crazy, because he was a bust. But again, you know, they got rid of steroids. He lost thirty five pounds, and it was over. He wasn't as strong. He could manhandle people in college. He was a phenomenon for Michigan State. He was a great player. They drafted him ahead of Barry Sanders. I got my fantasy draft tomorrow, and Deion Sanders. You know, so your fantasy draft coming up on Monday. I got it tomorrow. Yep. Good 11 a.m. Good for you. Very nervous. Got a wrestling belt on the line. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Spent fifteen hundred dollars on it. I had my. I have my keeper, Lamar Jackson, in the ninth round, which is a. See, we don't do keepers. I, have I drafted. Keeper. I have a family league that I drafted Lamar Jackson in. I'm gonna run fucking rough shot on him. Yep. Yep. It's a running back league, and and any running back league, people poo on quarterbacks, but not when you get a dual threat. Oh, when you get a, I mean, that that's why Lamar Jackson was good. You know, everybody thinks like fantasy football is all about touchdowns. Yeah, and people always think the running back and the wide receivers. Who do you think is throwing the touchdowns? Yeah, if you're yeah. if a wide receiver gets four touchdowns, the quarterback gets four. Oh, touchdowns. absolutely, it's the same yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I had Christian McCaffrey the past two years. It's the reason why I won the league last year. I won't be able to draft him this year. I have the 11th pick overall, and he will be gone in the first three picks. Do you know why I think they put emphasis on just the creators of fantasy put emphasis on the running backs? Because there's more of them. I think they realize that if we put emphasis on the quarterbacks, it won't be fun because then the first two rounds will just be people drafting quarterbacks. I don't. Yeah, I, I, I think, quite know the logic. I think it, you know? I just think it's because there's. In any given season, your team's going to have three or four different running backs. Even if you have yeah. a 1,000-yard rusher, there's two or three other guys that get 400 yards, 350 yards. It's such a different thing now. It's basically it's three running backs. It's running back by committee. You know, and they all have to catch the pass. Well, dude, I think they got to catch all the ball. these old players. Christian McCaffrey. I mean, the, I mean, I'm going to say this. Okay, I'm going to racial it. Okay, Christian McCaffrey's the best running back in football. Because the league has changed, the rules have changed, and he's got great hands. He can catch. So he, I mean, he's the perfect. I mean, that's why James White has a decent career for New England. He can I catch drafted, the ball. He'll rush for two hundred eighty yards, I but he'll catch sixty passes. Delvin Cook as oh, my number one running. You know, back. I, I like him. I think this is his last year. I think this is his last good year because he 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 wears down as a season. I think this goes is his on. last good year. I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be injury free this year. Yeah, and I think he's gonna catch some balls this year. Oh, if he's healthy all year, he's a great running. But he's as good as Camara. Because they've as good said as they've said him being injury prone and he can't catch. Oh no, no, Cook can catch the ball. Cook catches the ball. He always had between four and six receptions. Every, I had him and McCafferty was a lethal one-two co- uh, combo early in the season. But by the like six weeks left and beyond, he wore down. He wasn't. He wasn't. He, he he didn't get injured. He just wore down. So 
He doesn't quite have the size. They have to really make like, – he can only get like 15 to 18 touches a game. He can't get over 20 touches a game. He'll get beat up. 22 to 25, and I'm a guy he'll get beat up. who knows running back play because I'm a fan of the Bears, and they had a guy named Curtis Enos <laughs> in 1999. He was – Penn State bust, man. They've been he's so like many their running Ron Bain. Back. He was like yes. the god out yep. there. Yep, yeah. He was awful in the pros. Yeah, dude. Kajana Carter. He Darnell his knee, Autry. Yeah, we had Autry. <laughs> Who's the? I mean, from your from your memories, who is the best Bear running back from your memories? Like when you think of this guy was great. Um, probably a tie between Thomas Jones or fucking uh uh fucking underrated running Forte. back Tom. Forte. Yeah. Underrated. Both those guys were kind of underrated. I thought Forte yeah. was good. Forte had a good. When like, I was a kid, it was Raymond Harris, Rashan Salam. Ooh, killed himself. Fucking uh, yeah, played in the XFL. The first run of the XFL for the Chicago Extreme. <laughs> the Extreme EXT. And then it was Curtis Enos. That was like oh. the second coming. Oh. And then Thomas Jones. I'm trying to think. There was garbage in between there, well, too. Tom, who was the running back in 06? Was Thomas Jones the over- Thomas Jones and Cedric Benson. Yeah, which was and a then decent the combination. the little tiny guy, Wolf, Garrett Wolf. Garrett Wolf had some flashes and moments, too. Garrett Wolf Northern, was the man Northern, for Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois had some. Then they got Deshaun, uh, not, Deshaun Fo- not Deshaun Foster, not Deshaun Washington. Deshaun, what was his name? Who was a pretty good running back, played for the Saints for a while. Like he was, he was fast. Like Northern Illinois always had a few good players. You know, they had some guys who could play a little bit. But yeah, because for me, Robert Smith was a great running back for for, for the Vikings. Cure, uh, very. <laughs> but then of course Peterson. But uh, Robert Smith took over Chuck Foreman. The three best running backs in, in Viking history are Chuck Foreman. Robert you think Smith. he sang the cure as he rushed down the field? <laughs> Boys, don't cry. Well, when I was in high school. The Spider Man is coming down the field. And Killing an Arab. Uh, that, that was just, remember that song? That was like one of their songs. Right in the sand, killing an Arab. That was written about the stranger, Albert Camus, Blood the stranger. Flowers. You know, but yeah, that, if you were into the Cure when I was in high school, you were hip. I didn't like them. I didn't like them or the Smiths. That or, was or one of R. the bands M. that I had a I had a Cure period, and I forced myself into it because I, looking back on it, it's just not good head music. On the, head on the Door is a decent album. I like Head on the. Do you know door. what else is isn't good that people I love like is fucking who's the band that was New Edition. New New Order, or that was New, well, New Order. Oh, 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 oh uh, not Bauhaus, but um, Joy Division. They stink. Love will tear us Joy apart. Division sucks. Again. No, New Order is an improvement. Yeah. New Order's good. Joy Division is terrible. Yeah, exactly. And I just don't get... But there has he, to be nostalgia. Because he, he committed suicide. That's the reason why it's like... He committed suicide, and they, they get, the band became legendary. Also, Morrissey blows. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little warmer with the Smiths, but I'm not a fan don't of Don't want to know if you are learning. <laughs> that, that was in the late 80s. If you were into that, you see, when I was into music then... This lonely man. I was into Run DMC... And then I got into Metallica. I also got into Jimi Hendrix. That's what Death I was into. Death Cab for Cutie cover to the Smith songs, and it's way better. <laughs> way better. They put then, a little oomph in it. It's not just them being like, oh. I've said this before. My collegiate years, here are the albums of my collegiate years, early to end. Okay. Early collegiate album that was big, Appetite for Destruction. 
That's a great album. Yeah, also, big album, uh, Nothing Shocking by Jane's Addiction. Aren't you doing the, the Fred Sanford, the Sanford and Sons No, song? that's fucking Kill Them All. Bum, 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 that's fucking Seek and Destroy. You know, when I was a kid, that was the rest that was the wrestler stings entrance music when i was a kid their first album is pretty shitty they started getting better well because it's them just being like metal music we're here we're 18 they started getting a ride the lightning has got uh uh creeping death creeping death is a maturation whatever this is a good song is a great song for whom the bell toes that's like you listen to time marches on that's one of those songs though where you listen to that and you're just like these guys are dorks yeah because like the lyrics of that song are like walk the path on the mystical dream if you ever ride the lightning or no fight fire with fire is such a cold war fight wait fight fire with fire time is like a fuse short and burning fast nuclear Punch the sky oh. with your fist up high <laughs> nuclear warfare well they're talking about everything is about death on that album ride the lightning is about the electric chair how does Ride the Lightning start off? Ride the Lightning is... Uh, ride. It's always so literal. Sitting in a chair, I killed four people. Da, 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 da. It is very straightforward. <laughs> ride the Lightning. That's why I always but like... Damn it, it ain't right. There's someone else controlling me. That's why... Dun, I, dun, 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 dun. Now it's time to die. Everything's about death. That's know? why I always liked shit like Slayer and fucking... Rain and Blood. And because it's kind of got like a mythology behind it of oh, just absolutely. like Mr. Crowley he's an evil dentist <laughs> Mr. wrote the satanic bible but I, I know with you start hearing the master master of puppets is the true breakthrough where they, they became the yeah. masters of their craft and Cliff Burton and his influence again I've said this before on the show yeah he died he died I think on that tour was the black album the first Jason Newstead no record? no no Garage Days re-revisited that's like a B-sides record though, yeah, with yeah, like it, four new songs on it right yeah it's good they also cover like some um uh, God, what did they cover? Like like a, a, a Killing Joke song? The way... Da, 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 yeah. da, da, also, when great. I was a kid, Metallica covered Turn the Page by Bob Seger. Oh, I know, yeah. yeah and it's, bad a, it's better, though. Yeah. It's a better than Bob Seger. And then, they, and then it was Injustice for All. And Injustice for All had one, which was a breakthrough song of theirs into the mainstream. Yeah. And then, of course, Enter Sandman was like... This is like their opus, yeah, but all the OGs you know? hated that album. Uh, you know, Black Album. You know, and I was an OG guy. I mean, I, I stand behind. Load is terrible. Load is when they lose. <laughs> Do it. you want me to be honest with you? Yeah, those are my Metallica albums. What? 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 When Load and Reload came out, I was like eight Ugh. and nine years old. God, so bad. I love those records. Uh, I mean, would you crown king nothing? I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't take him seriously anymore. Uh, enter. I mean, Hero the, of the, the Black Day album. is a good song, dude. God. Still the window turn, faster, slowly turn. <laughs> They're all bad. Is cry. See, but why I like those albums is because they were like, guys, we're 40 years old. I know. <laughs> we can't be screaming about death. 
Yeah. That's why Megadeth blows because they're all 70 years old and they're still Dave out Mustaine there. Dave Mustaine was on Metallica's And they're first still album. out there talking about their steampunk adventures. Fucking yeah, it's pretty mystical bad. skies. <laughs> like, dude, you're 75 <laughs> years old. Stop talking about fucking the gates of Mordor. <laughs> yeah, what's that part of metal? There's they're so many different up. parts of metal. One of the parts of metal that I've never gotten into and I've, I've gotten into like I've gotten into Iron Maiden later on. But the whole like the mythical part of it, like we're living on the moors and the and people and the, always the, thought the it was gonna make the, 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 anytime I would trash Megadeth, they'd try and be like, "Well, if you listen, this m- album is about them traveling to a volcano mountain, but inside the mountain, it's liquid rock and roll. Oh, and God. they have the special oh scepter, God. and you're just like, this sounds so gay. I mean, having like that sort of like like weird mythology behind your music is lame. I mean, I, I like, I mean. The thing about like like Dio, I mean, there's a certain an- the sort of anti-Christian thing I kind of got into, like the devil thing was. Oh, dude, I, I love Cradle of, of Filth. That, you know, Cradle of Filth has these crazy ass mystical biblical <laughs> lyrics. Cradle of Filth. But the lead singer, like, first of all, he goes through three different registers, so he'll start out being like night. Steps on the hill, and, <laughs> and then he'll just be like <laughs> that whole thing. Like that, I'm gonna get really deep. Like that. that that's but if you read the too. lyrics, yeah, it's all this crazy. Like it see, it reads like a Victorian novel. <laughs> They're just screaming the fucking lyrics. We were in the closet as gay men. Well, it's so. different. When we get done with this, I'll play you some fucking Cradle of Filth. <laughs> My sister is afraid of Cradle of Filth. <laughs> well, they sound like they're in the same camp as like a deicide or something. Well, I mean, they're kind of as far as the black metal goes, like for people who are into metal, Cradle of Filth is like fucking Hanson to them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like you, you, you might as well like the Spice Girls. Okay. okay. Like that's puppy bullshit. Yeah. But like this dude is famous for, he does like four different registers. He'll go real high pitched yeah, and then he can do this insanely low growl and they have like the choir of pale women behind them. Like (laughs) death and fear. (laughs) It's great. I got to admit it. The Trooper, I imaginary sing that song right now. If I could actually sing Some like Mega Bruce Death? Dickinson. Bru- no, no. The Troopers. Uh, Have you ever uh, heard Iron the clips Man. of fucking the clip of <laughs> Sharon Osbourne yelling Bruce Dickinson is a fucking pussy before <laughs> she hates Bruce Dickinson? Uh, Bruce Dickinson is a pretty good heavy metal vocalist. Run to the hills. You know, uh, the Trooper is, you know, you take my life. I think the Trooper is Bruce Dickinson because he only joined the, ga- the, the band a little bit later. I, well, I who was the original that. lead singer of God, Megadeth? I, uh, well, was or, it Dave uh, Mustaine? Dave Mustaine Dave was, Mustaine. In, no, was in Metallica. No, uh, Dickinson's not Megadeth. That's fucking well, it's Iron, Iron Maiden. Maiden. It's Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah it's Iron Maiden. Uh, Megadeth Maiden. blows too. Dave Mustaine sucks ass. Yeah, they they, they were kind of big in, when I was in high school. They stink. I wasn't that into Anthrax them. Anthrax sucks. Megadeth Anthrax blows. Anthrax I liked more. Anthrax eats fucking balls. All that shit is terrible. No, uh, you, you're wrong. Uh, Anthrax... <laughs> I like the although speak English or die was one of their album covers. They they did a song with Public Enemy. Even, Public, you know what? Judas go back Priest to my, sucks. Too. Oh yeah, I, I listened to Breaking the Law today. Breaking the Law, the video of Breaking the Law is so bad. They rob a bank through breaking the song, Breaking the Law. Like that's what they do. Like, Dude, like the song Breaking the Law, robbing a bank. The only reason the law, people accept bank. Judas Priest now is because old boy came out as gay. Yeah, I mean it's so funny when you see the video to Turbo Lover. It's guiltless. The fact that the fact that you 
anyone even doubted his sexuality. I remember like guys like, you think he's gay? And I'm like, no, I don't know if he's gay, man. But it was like, no, there were rumors of him in the late also, 80s being gay. I'll say something you else. You watch the video for that. He looks like he should be singing in Wham. That's He looks like oh, yeah. George Michael. You know, it's just like Ball. the way he's moving around. Looks and like stuff. Paul Schaefer. But pop on the video for Turbo Lover and how anyone ever thought to themselves, this guy is a heterosexual man is beyond me. That's how weird and repressed things were in the 80s, man. Who else? Fucking, you know what? I love Motorhead, but there's four good Motorhead songs. The, yeah, well, Motorhead, Ace of Spades, fucking, there's one slow one because all the rest of them are just being like, it is. If you listen to Motorhead, you're doing some hard drinking. You're drinking. You're drinking some whiskey. You're putting it down. Probably watching Cobra later. <laughs> so Judas Priest, what's the video? A Turbo Lover. <laughs> I'm your turbo lover. Oh, yeah. Tell me there's no other. This video is unbelievable. So we can't put sound on, but we could do little short clips of the video. Yeah. Oh, look at that, like, <laughs> filtering, too. You can tell they literally just rode motorcycles around, and we're like, we'll figure it out. I think post. we're watching Phantasm 2 right now. Oh, look at him. That is a gay man. <laughs> Did, how anyone thought he was a heterosexual is, is beyond me. Watch this. <laughs> but wa- look watch at his eyes. Of, yeah. I his mean, we hair? don't have sound. We can't do sound. So. Oh, this is oh, yeah. terrible. This is like 80s music. Oh, yeah. You, you, know, you got to keep it on. That's awful. This is terrible. It's he's doing the eighties dance and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Again. You hated that as a kid, probably, oh, huh? Detested it. Were you so upset? I had hair like that though. <laughs> I did, no doubt about it. I had long hair. I don't look good in really long hair. Oh, they all had hair like that. Oh, yeah, of course. Look at them all doing the shoulder bob. They're fucking yeah. getting into it. Into dominating but fury. Dude, here was my shit when I was a kid. Uh, Tom Petty. What? Yeah, of course. REM. I never Nirv- liked them. Nirvana Although was my Reckoning's favorite. Great album. Nirvana was my favorite band of all time. Well, you. Again, I'm a child of Nirvana. It's part of the reason why we're friends, Keith. There, are, there are certain <laughs> foundational things that you have, and that's I one got of them. my mom into Nirvana. A hundred percent. They were great. I remember we we also have a bond over the Foo Fighters because I remember I Foo sta- Fighters are great. I stayed home from school sick one day, and I was watching. MTV. Were you really sick, Keith? This time I was. Yeah, and. I was watching TV and the I'll stick around music video by Foo Fighters came on. And I remember being like, that looks like the drummer of Nirvana. Yeah. And I remember telling my mom, I think the drummer of Nirvana has a band. Yeah. And that was like, you couldn't just look it up. She had to just kind of be like, oh, yeah. At first, she didn't believe me. She's just like, ah. And then she came to me like a week later and was like, he does have a band. And then like. Ever they were since great. Then, they, every hit, year. they hit it immediately. When that first album came out. For about a 10-year period, every time they came to Chicago, we went. I yeah. saw the Foo Fighters at the Q101 Jamboree in 1998. Where with, at? Uh, the, world, the New World Music Theater. The okay. Fucking, You're like 11 the, or 12 years old, right? You were, with chicken pox. I was there. I had a chicken pox in my ear because the whole show, I was fucking down. Yeah. Saw Harvey Danger. Saw Scott. Uh, Scott Weiland solo Scott Weiland oh, oh junkied Scott Weiland completely heroined out fucking falling on his ass on heroin he was yeah. just disco dancing on stage yeah and singing is he still alive shit. uh no he overdosed he had, to have. he had to have man he, I remember he this is also problem. when I knew my stepdad was inconsiderate we were 
right after the Q101 Jamboree, he got popped for heroin. And I remember telling my stepdad, I was like, oh yeah, at the concert, he seemed drunk. And I remember my stepdad goes, he wasn't drunk. He was on this shit. Yeah. And I remember yep. being like, Jesus Christ. Man. Yeah, like really hard. Well, you know. Have some sympathy. Th- th- that is the, The you know, guy's booting heroin into his toe. That is the reason why the drug war a- and changing the mentality is so hard. It's so still drained, ingrained into people's head that the legalization is just like, no, we can't do it. It's like, it's such a better way to deal with it. It's just such. Yeah, people, join a band. You, I mean, people are not going to, you're not going to increase heroin use. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, oh, you're full of shit. How do you know? I don't know. It seems like the whole legalization of marijuana has actually worked out pretty well. The only but, problem is it hasn't been implemented well in like here. or So the Chicago. Foo Fighters closed out that show. Yeah. And I remember also during that concert, they were playing. This was back in the mystical days when the NBA playoffs would have day games. Yeah. So the game six of the fucking uh, Eastern Conference Finals yep. between the Bulls and Pacers was on. And I saw Reggie Miller hit that fucking three yep. to fucking win the game. And I remember chicken pock in the ear, Bulls just lost. Like halfway through the concert, I was just like, I don't know if I could do this. Wow. And yeah. the Foo Fighters came on. And it was definitely the worst Foo Fighters concert I've ever seen. Yeah. But it was still good. Yeah, of just course. Just because I had to wait through so much fucking bullshit. Yeah. I had to see Space yeah. Hog Ugh. and shit. Yeah. Horrible bands. Good Fucking for you. The squirrel nut zipper and shit. They might be giants played. <laughs> oh, boo. There's a bird. How they suck too. Yeah. They're terrible. God. It's just like it's basically if circus music was fucking it's a terrible. little harder. It's awful. Uh did you uh did, I'm sorry, have you Matt, seen the Foo Fighters at uh, at United Center? Uh, they no. play at the United Center. Uh, well, I've seen them at the Allstate Arena a couple yeah. times. I saw them at the UIC Pavilion. I saw Eminem at the Allstate I've Arena. I've seen them at the Metro. <laughs> the first time I saw the Foo Fighters was at the Aragon Ballroom. Oh, dude. That, that, you, do you know something? You know, I've never seen a show there. Oh, I've, I've seen, seen the seen Metro. It. I've been at the Metro I've seen a, a million. Ton. I, I, the Metro, I've been to a ton. I, I've been to the Riviera a ton. Yeah. I, I went to Lounge Axe a few times, which is a big, big thing on, on Lincoln Avenue. Uh, uh, the Double Door, I, went, I saw a bunch of shows. I, I saw shows at, uh, what was the place on Western Avenue? That was the three, uh, not the Three Penny. What the fuck? That was a theater. Uh, Empty Bottle. Yeah. I saw shows there. I mean, I've seen a bunch of shows in Chicago. and uh, The fucking. Uh, but I never went to Aragon Ballroom. Hideout, the Hideout. I saw shows at the Hideout. That's where like all absolutely. the indie, like Andrew Bird used to uh, yeah, whistle yeah. all night there yeah. and shit. No, absolutely. I, I saw some shows there. You know, uh, Wicker Park was a real, like, Smoke Daddy, like these old, like, a czar bar. Double Door. To, Double Door I went. I saw Edwin Collins there. i never seen a Dude, girl I remember like you. My before. mom had a gay friend named Dan, and I know that because she used to refer to him as my gay friend Dan. And she'd hang out with him and go he, see shows and stuff? Well, he would come over all the time, and I think they would smoke weed and shit. Yeah. Uh, but he was psyched one night because he was going to see fucking porno for pyros at the double door. Yeah. And I remember he kept saying, yeah, we're going to see him at the double door. Yeah. We're going to see him at the double door. Double door. Before In the my double- head as a kid, I imagined it a door on the top and a door on the bottom. <laughs> the double door. I remember when it was before the double door. It was a country and Western bar, similar to the bar on um, up in like uh, uptown. Carol's Pub. It was a rough crowd, man. And that was like 92, 93. Before that, it was called the Left and Rot Saloon Flap. It, 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 I don't know. It was some sort of, it was a country and western bar. And you would see some just, there was a drunken Indian at that bar who was literally incoherent. Every time you went in, was just stumbling drunk. You know, like and Native like, or? Uh, Native, no, indigenous, Native American, absolutely. Yeah. I used to go, there'd be like country bands would play in there. As, I got asked for Coke there 
all the fucking time. Nice. I mean, by these white dudes. I mean, it, it wasn't like, hey, no, it was like, you got any Coke? I mean, they would ask if I had Coke in the bathroom at least seven or eight times. So were you, you know? did you live there when the real world was being filmed? Uh, I lived there before, before the real world. So you world. lived in Wicker Park I lived in real Wicker Park. Was I got jumped there. You know, so I, I when mean, that season aired, you like, oh, I know where they're at. Oh, absolutely. They were in Urbis Orbis. They are. So for people, people in Chicago, if you're listening, the real world house was the Wick, where the Wicker Park Athletic Club is. It used to be it, Urbis it Orbis, which was there. a, uh, which was a, well, I saw Ethan Hawke one time. Ethan Hawke. Was I even think their the, apartment, uh, the loft they were in is the Wicker Park Athletic. Club. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it was Urbis Orbis. It was an, it was an old coffee house that I saw Ethan Hawke at because he was doing some uh, plays at the uh, Steppenwolf. And he was like all greasy haired and like looking at the crowd, and like you know, reading through a monocle, you know. And just, <laughs> I remember applying for a job there at the coffee house. It was a, I mean, it was hipster. It was Gen X hipster. I didn't even pass, and I was pretty hipster for that time. You know, I was, you know, I had my fucking filling jacket, jacket. You know, I wore my blue suede pumas and shit. I mean, I was hipster. Um, and and you know, I had my street cred, biggest heroin dealing park in the city. Wicker Park now is million dollar homes around the park. What two two and a half million dollar homes around the park, probably even more. Yeah. But I mean, it, yeah, it, it was rough around the edges. But I tell you what, though, I am running out of steam. You're fading a little bit. now. Yep, fading out a little All bit. All right, but we hey, didn't, we didn't even get to this week good, in TV history. We didn't. We should. But we, no, we we'll didn't. back it nah, up. We can yeah. do two weeks worth next week. Yeah, exactly. Crow, one day I'm going to get you to three hours. Where, uh, where are we at? Uh, we're at about at 57 minutes in part two. So we're at an uh, hour. And, oh, we're, well, yeah, we're like, yeah. we're almost at two. Might yeah, even be a little two, lower. Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're easing out here. Thanks yep. for listening and watching. Show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you haven't done that, I'll go this way. Cause it's opposite. Yep. Hit subscribe and then click the little bell to get notifications of when we put up new episodes. Um, you can listen to us on Apple podcast, Google podcast, yeah. Crocious is on Twitter at insecure comic, if I have to spell that for you, you're dumb. <laughs> you should be insecure about you're your spelling. You're dumb. So uh, I'm at Keith Pazel, K E I T H P A E S E L. Literally the only Keith Pazel on planet Earth. You should have no trouble finding me. Yep. Very handsome man with a beard. <laughs> That's your guy. All right, man. Thanks uh, yeah. for listening, people. Thanks for listening. Good we'll show. be back next Sunday. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week again for a fresh round.